Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny. Here with me is my best friend. Not my best friend, but one of my friends. I'm not your best Nick. friend. Hi, Nick. I know you're not. We've had this <laughs> Hi, conversation. Hi, buddy. You are not my best friend. Let's make that perfectly clear. I know. Listen, Nick, I hate you. You're not my friend yeah, at all. Okay. You fucking suck. I just Jeez. do it for the content. That's that's it. Listen, he does it for the people, folks. Does it for the people. Mm-hmm. But no, we're here. We're back. I'm back. Nick had his you are back. adventures with Bond with Bobby. So that must have been a lot of fun. I kicked you off the show, and I sh- I'm sure you haven't listened back to it, because why would I you? I actually haven't yet. Well, listen, <laughs> I've had a lot of stuff going on, okay? I played Mario Party with you for like four hours last night. You did, yeah. And it was honestly a miracle that you found that much free time. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, carve that time out. They were on set late last night, so I could have stayed, but I came home early just for you. Mario Party waits for no man. Exactly. You've been off talking with Bond and uh, and doing football talk. Two things I could not care less about. <laughs> well, well, I'll save the football talk this week because I haven't been paying much attention. We're, we're recording on a Sunday. The Chiefs play tomorrow night, so I barely pay attention to what's been happening in the league today. So I got nothing to talk about. I am spared of football talk. <laughs> but it's okay because we have some other stuff to talk about that, you know, will take up most of the time. So we'll start off. With the usual stuff that we do, Nick, what you been playing? I haven't been playing that much. Uh, we'll get into Mario Party in a bit because that's a mutual thing. Otherwise, I think the only thing that I've really been playing too that I've been playing too much is uh, Psychonauts 2 on the Xbox, which I, I think came out a couple months ago, and I heard it was pretty good, and I thought I might get to that eventually, and I finally started getting to it last week. It's pretty fun for the most part. I didn't really know much about it. I didn't even know exactly what the name pertained to, and then I see that the game is about you sort of poking around in people's heads and doing a bunch of different gameplay scenarios within. Um, it's really cute. It's really well written. It's really creative. The gameplay is like, it's decent, it, but the the creativity around the design of the game and the the writing and the storytelling is, is what I've taken most from it and you know the best thing about it manny you know what service that i played that game on oh i know exactly what you're about to say right now daddy phil phil if you're <laughs> listening to this right now pay attention i played it thanks to my subscription to xbox game pass ultimate which i pay 14.99 a month for or whatever i paid the last time that i bought a bunch of three month codes but anyway yeah i got that through game pass and i think this is like the ideal game pass game because it's but by the time it's all said and done when i beat this game it's going to be like a 7.5 out of 10 but i feel like for game pass that's the perfect kind of game you want something that's like good but kind of disposable and i feel like this is the perfect game for that i'm i'm enjoying it and it feels like i'm getting more worth out of my game pass this month than i usually do nick out here changing his score from a 3.5 to a 3.75 folks (laughs) (laughs) 3.5 nick 3.5 reeves over here but no, he gave it a 3.75 this time. Well, Be no, proud. that's not an official score. That Because I've only played like a quarter of the game, I think. Judging yeah, by the saying, play, the but, play time. Like that, judging yeah. so far. Yeah. When I think of games, I usually think of them out of 10. And even with movies, I still think of them out of 10, even though on Letterboxd, they get rated out of 5. And it's a whole joke now between all of us in our Discord server about how I give everything a 3.5. This man rewatched Mulan and said, yeah, that's a 3.5. And then went and watched Scream, which is a great movie. Like nothing, nothing against Scream, but then he gave it a four, and the entire Discord, <laughs> all of us were just yelling at Nick, saying, "Nick, how could you give this a three point five? We went back and looked at what he gave some some other films. Uh, the Snyder Cut, you also gave a three point five. 
Uh, yep, that was so, good. So you would say that Mulan and the Snyder Cut are on the same level. No, that's not what that means. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean everything that receives the same rating is on the exact same level. It just means that according to the standard that I hold a specific thing that I'm watching to, it meant about that level. Yes, but to someone who doesn't know that. Yeah, you guys should know that yeah, by now. Yeah, to someone who doesn't know that. No, we know that. But to someone who doesn't, <laughs> they're like, oh, he liked the Snyder Cut and Mulan the same amount. I'm just looking out for you, buddy. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But, yeah, I've heard the same thing about Psychonauts 2 saying, you know, it's good. I don't want to say, like, it's bad or anything because a lot of people really loved the game. And they said, I was glad that I was able to play this game because it's been so long. It's been 20 years, something like that, since the first Psychonauts came out. The first one came out in 05, so it's been 16 years. 16 years. Since the first mm -hmm. Psychonauts. And this game was in development hell. And then Double Fine got out by Xbox. Thank you, Daddy Phil. Um, <laughs> got out by Xbox. And then they gave them more resources, more time. And it was like three years of us just seeing a new trailer for Psychonauts. A new trailer for Psychonauts. A new trailer for Psychonauts. And finally, it came out. And so what, what you're saying about the gameplay, I've heard that that's pretty much the same thing. That it still feels a little bit, I don't want to say like, xbox like original xbox but it's mm. true to what psychonauts is in that sense yeah they didn't like they obviously modernized it it's more fluid and all that other stuff but they kept it still simple and the focus is on the psychological aspects of going into people's brains and different emotions you know mental stuff because i'm, I'm not sure if that one has oh not like a warning but an advisory at the beginning saying like it does hey, we're yeah. going to talk about mental yeah I'm, I'm sure that it does because the whole point is going through mental trauma, mental, not like abuse, but your mental insecurities and all that other stuff. So I think it's an interesting game. I like the approach that it's taken. I've yeah. played a little bit of the first one and I've seen some of the second one. So I get a general idea of what it's about and I like it. I think it's cool. It's inside out the video game and I don't like inside out, but I like Psychonauts. <laughs> I was going back and forth on whether to play the first one or the second one. I think the first one is on Game Pass 2. And I elected to go with the second one just because I felt like I hadn't played that many non-Nintendo games that came out in 2021. Uh, so I went with two and they they do a pretty good job. Like there's like a whole five minute opening cutscene catching you up on the stuff that happened in the first game. And I felt like I was pretty well informed about what I was going into. And yeah, once I got to sort of them explaining that premise again, sorry, exploring people's minds and the whole gameplay scenario revolving around you sort of being able to connect different concepts in someone's brain to help change how they think to make them think more positively and thus make everything in the world happen in a better way. I like that idea. And I also like that, at least as far as I got, um, there's a point where you're told uh, basically that you're warned about being careful with poking around in someone's head because you could do major damage. And I like that the game is even handed in that way. It does show that it's, you know, Bad things can happen if you mess with people's heads, and I like that it sort of shows both sides of that. It's still a cute, fun game, but it also, you know, it's touching on serious subject matter in, in a lighthearted way, and I appreciate that on occasion it does actually approach it with some seriousness. Yep, that's what I've heard. It looks fun. It looks like a good, you know, I don't want to say like a Game Se Pass 7. game, but good games on Game Pass. I, I don't know. I don't usually like rate games i just say oh i like the game same thing i do with movies i i don't care about ratings a whole lot i'm just like did i enjoy yeah. it did i not did i feel like i got you know what i paid for or the time that i put into it and so i feel like that would be a good one that if i did end up playing it i'd be like yeah this was good if every game pass exclusive were this good i would never complain i guess i could say that that's probably the most positive way i could say if if other game pass exclusive games were as good as this game i would be very happy
not all of them are, but this is like sort of, I guess, the, the benchmark for what you would want from a Game Pass game. And especially because it's an Xbox studio and everyone's like, oh, Xbox doesn't have, you know, the amount of games and stuff, which I agree with. I'm with you 100%. I do too. Phil, Phil agrees with it too. He said like, no, we want to get to that level. And so I think they've had a strong year in general. I mean, you're getting Psychonauts, which already came out. We get Forza next week. And then you have Halo at the end of the year. Three big, heavy... One's a medium hitter in Psychonauts, but then the other mm-hmm. two are big, heavy hitters. In my Those opinion. are the two heaviest hitters on, like, the heaviest established names on the Xbox at this point. I think Gears used to be, like, the number two, but it fell off a little bit. I think Forza's probably number two at this point. Yeah, I'd say Halo, Forza... Uh, gears those would be the top three i was gonna say you had flight sim come out over the summer which it's only for uh, series xs owners and for pc players I feel like that's but a niche that, audience though it's a niche but it's also like that was a big a big a big game pass game mm-hmm. yeah and it's yeah. It's, a it's a technically like great game yeah yes no i'm with you 100 yeah it's been a pretty good year on the on the xbox side of things uh before we go into what i've been playing you mentioned nintendo um, have you jumped back into Animal Crossing ahead of the uh, DLC this week? Uh, yeah, I actually have been going back into it, mainly because um, the the farming that they're going to be adding to the free update. There's a lot of stuff in this free update, which I'm happy about. The DLC is sort of like that they're adding is sort of like a separate thing entirely. It's all the happy home stuff, which I never I've never really messed too much with. I think I'm going to end up getting it and messing around with that just because I enjoy New Horizons so much. But yeah, I I have a couple areas that I'm clearing out so I can prepare for the farming that's going to happen from the free update. So I've been playing that a bit more than usual this week. I usually hop on it every couple days. It's just dependent. Sometimes I only I only play for like five to ten minutes. Just check into a couple quick things. I'm expecting to in- enjoy this update a lot because they're finally adding a lot of stuff that should have been there sooner. I agree that they're adding a lot of things that should have been in there sooner. Um, I also jumped back in, I think maybe like two nights and then I have had no desire to go back in. <laughs> um, yeah, which I get. I've tried. I've tried. But, like, we've, we've had this conversation, like, off-air and stuff. But going from Animal Crossing to Stardew is just, <laughs> like, such a downgrade. Stardew just has all these things for way cheaper. And sure, you're getting a, comprise, a compromised art style. You're getting... You know, maybe not the best animations and all this other stuff, but it's made entirely by one dude. All the music, the animations, the title, all that stuff. One dude is just making it himself. And he's worked on it for the last 10 years. And so we ended on 1.5, which added, you know, a bunch of stuff. But I just, Stardew just gives me everything that I wish Animal Crossing did. And we played Animal Crossing a little bit together and like even yeah. just trying to play together. There were things that were like, well, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. And maybe Happy Homes will do that for some people. Um, yeah. I just wish that there was more like agency and Happy Homes seems to have some of that with, you know, like, oh, you can have a job and you can please customers and all this other stuff. But I'm like, OK, but what do I get in return outside of like decorations? Like there's no sense of progression for me outside of you know decorations for your house or making it look better so but yeah i I like that the happy home stuff exists because like on the 3ds they had that whole separate game the happy home designer game which i haven't played but i've heard like mixed things about but i like that something like that exists and i like that this exists as a dlc because 
there's a certain pocket of Animal Crossing fans who will get hundreds of hours out of this, and this is all they've ever wanted, and they love it, and I'm happy about that. And I'm hoping once I get it that I find some stuff to enjoy there, because on the whole, I played so much more of New Horizons than I ever thought I would. And I'm sure part of that was that it came out right when the pandemic hit, and that was the big new game that everyone was playing, but that game just kept me coming back, and I've played it considerably less this year, but I still don't let like more than a week go by without jumping back into it, because for whatever reason, that gameplay loop still brings me back, even if I'm only hopping in for five to ten minutes at a time. I'm glad that they're finally adding all this new content. Now, whether whether they add any more paid content down the line, uh, that remains to be seen. I feel like they really should keep supporting this game, because it's the biggest like original Switch game. I think Mario Kart at Deluxe is still sold more overall. As long as the Switch is still active for the next few years, I feel like they should keep supporting this with new stuff, because this is their biggest hitter. Yeah, they said, they said, oh, you know, last free bit of, here we uh-huh. go, folks, we're going to get into it. They said, uh, last free bit of DLC, and it's a lot of free stuff, so I'm grateful that yeah. all of this is free. But with that comes the Happy Home expansion, and the price, that's $25, you know, maybe 20 is fair. Nintendo always likes to go a little bit higher than what I think they're worth. Uh, a lot of the times and with that is also the upgrade in the nintendo switch online which just looking at it you know you're paying right now i'm with a family plan and i believe that's 50 dollars a year 35 the current default family plan for the original switch online membership was 35 a year yes. and now it's 80 a year 35 the original uh, individual yeah. membership was 20 a year and now the expansion pack is 50 a year sure so we'll just like go with the uh, single plan because that's a lot easier to say. Uh, $20 a year, right? Okay, fair enough. Um, you're getting your NES and SNES emulators, which by themselves also have issues, but you're also getting the ability to play online, which also has issues that we'll talk about a little bit <laughs> later. And now you're paying $50, which is a $35 increase and when you just look at the brass tax of it, you're paying $25 to rent the DLC because you don't own it. It's the Game Pass model of, yeah, once you don't have the subscription, then you don't have it anymore. So you're paying $25 to rent a DLC and then $5 for emulators for your N64 and Sega Genesis. And from what I've seen and heard, um, I've watched you know a bunch of videos of people compare it comparing them to even the Wii emulators. They are atrocious. They're really bad emulations of them. So all in all, you're paying an extra $30 for uh, for bad emulations and a DLC that you can just buy outright for $25 and never have to worry about continuing to pay for that. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I'm not gonna sit here and defend it as a good value. I'm I'm still discussing with friends or whether we want to do a family plan for the expansion pack because I'd considered upgrading it anyway. And for them, it would basically just be paying. I'm not, I'm going to I was going to ask for 20 from each of them and it would them just basically they'd be renewing their plan at no extra cost for for the individual memberships that they had. In that sense, it doesn't feel like the worst value in the world. And just like the way I think the original Switch Online membership didn't feel like a bad value if you had a family plan or even the individual plan for 20 bucks a year. That was pretty cheap. But now that they're charging as much as they are for it, and they're still delivering subpar products with the emulated games and stuff like that, it's starting to feel much ickier than it already was. 
the main appeal of the N64 games to me wasn't the games themselves, because I already like I, I bought a 64, like I talked about on here before, and I'm going to buy most of those games at some point. The appeal of that was actually being able to play it online with people and their online infrastructure is so spotty that that doesn't even seem like it's a feasible idea either. Yeah. And, you know, talking with you and some other people and stuff, there's like the idea of what they could do now with, you know, adding DLCs to games. Like maybe they add Splatoon DLC into there or maybe they add Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 DLC or whatever. You know, maybe they could do that in the future, but for right now, it's just not there. And that was the same issue that Game Pass had at launch. Game Pass launched with a limited number of games, and a lot of them were games that people already played or weren't interested in. So a lot of people were like, well, why am I going to pay for Game Pass? I'm, I, you know, I have all these games. But years down the line, like two, three years, now everyone's like, Game Pass is the best deal in gaming. Like, it's fantastic. So I feel like maybe Nintendo will get there one day. But right now, charging $80 for a family plan, you know, and you could say like, oh, well, you know, if you have eight friends, you're all paying $10 or whatever. I'm like, sure, but some people don't have eight friends. And it's just I've like, got two other friends that I'm discussing people. this with. That's that's as many people as I'm going to be getting on board with me. Not everyone has exactly. eight, eight people to do it with. And the main, like, I don't say like the main issue that I have is like, okay, people really want to play the N64 and the Sega Genesis emulators. Why not just do a plan without the Animal Crossing DLC? But because of the way the marketing get, and businesses will market this all the time, they'll be like, uh, $30, but you're getting the Animal Crossing DLC free. Like, no, I'm paying $25 for the Animal Crossing DLC and then $5 for the emulation. You could just do a $5 increase for the emulations and then just, if you want to get the DLC with it, maybe do a discounted price or something like that. But nope, they said $30 more for your single plan, uh, $45 more for the family plan. And so it's like, eesh, eesh, eesh. so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because it's been a conversation in the last couple of weeks. If you do decide to get it, I hope you enjoy what you're paying for. If you don't decide to get it, keep yelling at Nintendo that, hey, this isn't right. We deserve to be treated, you know, fairly. So, yeah. Yeah, and I like I do think this would be a different discussion for me if I if I didn't buy that N64 a couple months ago. If this was me playing all these games for the first time that I've always wanted to play, I think we, I think I'd be defending it at least to a point because I would have I would have upgraded by now, which I haven't upgraded at this point. And I don't I still don't know if I will because I've got a few days to decide if I want to upgrade or if I want to buy the Animal Crossing DLC outright. But yeah, like I can see depending on situations, some people like you know me a year ago or whatever. I would have been like begging for something like this, even though it's a little steep in price, like being able to play all those games for the first time for me would be magical. But I've played a lot of those games already and I own hardware that I can buy those games for not terrible prices. Like they're a little expensive, some of them, but N64 games aren't aren't like crazy viable at the moment, like GameCube games are. But I could buy all these games outright. The only real appeal is playing them online. And like I said, their online infrastructure kind of sucks, especially now that you're paying for it. It should be better. And it hasn't been good since for the last three years since they launched Switch online. I still have the same issues I had and everyone else seems to still have the same issues they had. So it's obnoxious and it's just Nintendo being Nintendo. They know what they have. They know the values of their their IPs, I think, and they know that they can get people to pay for whatever and people keep paying for it and it's not going to change. 
I think Microsoft, when they uh, launched Game Pass and when it was struggling at first and they had to sort of uh, change course with it, I think they realized that they had to go all in and make that basically their new business model for the most part. And I don't see Nintendo with the soft with the sales of the Switch has and with the attach rate that their software has. I don't see them changing course in that way. I think this is what we're going to keep seeing. And it might become a better value in the sense that you'll get more games over time and you'll get probably more DLC packs over time. But I don't see Nintendo changing their ways as for in the foreseeable future as far as this goes. No, it's Nintendo being Nintendo because they know that they can get away with it. I like Nintendo. You're a shill. I'm an Xbox shill. It is what I'm it a is. shill. I'm a Nintendo shill. Listen, Nick, you have to admit, you are kind of a Nintendo shill. Listen, I think we're both shills for different companies. I think you're a Nintendo shill. I think I'm an Xbox shill. It is what it is. There's nothing wrong with being a shill. Listen, we can bust our ass for five years being a shill for a company <laughs> only for them to not give us the time of day. Listen, it's the way that the world works. Yeah, I've only been back into Nintendo since like 2018, too. I'm not like a long term Nintendo fan either. Like I'm getting I've gotten into all these series for the first time while I've owned my Switch. I guess that's the interesting thing for me. It's like this is the yeah. Nintendo that I know. I didn't grow up with a different Nintendo than this. I had a Wii and then I took a long break and now I'm here. Yeah, I grew up with pretty much every console, didn't play a whole lot of all of them. I'd say I played, I actually think I played mostly Nintendo games, but then, you know, growing up, having friends that had 360s and PS3s, I'd play a lot of those. I say I'm an Xbox shill, I'll still criticize Xbox. Um, yeah, and I'll criticize Nintendo. Yeah, like I just bought all the Kingdom Hearts games for 20 bucks on PlayStation because I'm like, it's too good of a deal to pass up. And like, I might not touch my PlayStation as much, but you know, I'm getting Spider-Man 2. I'm going to get Wolverine. I'm going to get God of War Ragnarok. I'm going to get Horizon. Like they have good games. What can I say? I just really hate their practices, but we've been down this road before. Anyways, love the things you love. And if you don't like something, move on with the rest of your life. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <gasps> Nick. There is one other thing that both of us have been playing. Uh, we played a lot more of it. Super Monkey Ball. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going with. Yeah, uh, I've played. I haven't played it uh, in a little while. I think I made it most of the way through the story mode, like the regular levels. I think I'm on the eighth world. I want to say. And I think there's a hundred total levels. I think I'm on world eight, and there's ten levels in each world. I'm pretty sure it's 100 levels per game. So I think it's 100 for Super oh. Monkey Ball 1, 100 for Super Monkey Ball 2. Oh, that's even better. So I'm not even close. Never mind. Uh, those levels got real difficult real quick. I'll tell you that. I, I, I kind of got stuck on one and I haven't gone back to it in a while. And it felt like it was that was happening on every level for me. Uh, so I've gotten a lot of time out of that game. And I guess I haven't gotten very far if you say there's 300 levels. I think it's 200. I think it's 100 for Super Monkey Ball 1 and then 100 for Super Monkey Ball 2. Don't they have those deluxe levels too? Yeah, the deluxe levels also get in, get put in there, but I don't know how many of them there are with regards to those. But yeah, I've also been playing Super Monkey Ball. I got stuck on one level. What was it called? Catapults? Launchers. Launchers. That was the name of the level. Such a bad level. I hate that level only because like there's no way to actually know what you're doing wrong. Like you just have to trust gravity and then somehow land on top of the platform and then go down the to the goal. Um, so I don't really like levels like that. But uh, right now I'm on the bridge level 
uh, tater tot bridge or whatever. Seesaw bridge. That's what it's called. I think uh, it's t- tater tot. You're thinking teeter totter. <laughs> teeter totter. Yeah. Like, see, you're hungry for tater tots. Uh, listen, I just ate. But yeah, seesaw bridge right now. And the difference between like that level and launchers is that I think I've been stuck on them the same amount of time. But seesaw, I know where I'm going wrong. Like, I can see, like, oh, you're going too early here. Oh, you're going too wide here. Like, I know exactly where I'm going wrong and how to mm-hmm. fix it. With launchers, in my experience, it was literally just, all right, line yourself up and pray to God that you'll land on top of that thing. Like, I try not moving the ball. I try moving the ball. I try trying to hold back so that it doesn't pull me up all the way. I try just trying to get into the goal without landing at the top. I tried, like, so many different things. I tried going at an angle, and it would just be fail after fail after fail after fail until finally I don't even know what I did. I was just tired. And so I just said, all right, here, fine, we'll do this. And then it worked. So I don't like that whole thing of trial and error, but I'm fine. Like, I don't like levels where my entire thing is based up to luck, but I like it when I can see what I'm doing wrong and how to fix it. Yeah, uh, the level you're talking about brings up a point that I wanted to make because I got th- I got through the launchers level maybe on my first try maybe it took me a couple it didn't take me long at all it's interesting you and I have talked back and forth about the levels in this game on levels that you struggle with versus me and vice versa because there will be some levels that I was like there was one that I don't remember which it was but I was stuck on forever and you said you got through it on your first try launchers was the same for me I got through that on my first maybe second third try and you took forever to get through it. It's interesting which levels have that effect on each of us and then how the other person can just get through them easily. But I do agree with your your main point about a lot of the levels, especially as we get further, those levels being luck-based, which I don't enjoy. There's some levels like the seesaw bridge you're talking about, if, I, if I'm thinking of the right level, where you can tell what you're doing wrong and you have to just make little adjustments to make sure you can get across the bridge. Stuff like that I like. And that's not what the entire game is. I wish more of the game were like that. Just little moments where you actually feel like you're in control and it takes a bit of skill no i'm with you i i mean i still love the game i think it's great i think it's well worth the money that they're asking i think it's 40 dollars for yep. super monkey ball uh i think that's a great 40 dollars. and then all the dlc i think is just cosmetic stuff that's overpriced but at least they're not they're not locking actual content behind that paywall at least not yet super monkey ball banana mania it's really fun it's good. We we talked a little bit about some of the mini games and the physics engine and how we don't think that it's really suited for Monkey Ball. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I still prefer this over no Monkey Ball remaster of one and two. <laughs> but there are some things like Monkey Launcher. Monkey Launcher is that what it's called? Mon- monkey Monkey, monkey Drop Monkey Target Monkey Target. That's what it's called. I'm yeah. just coming up with a whole lot of different names for this stupid game. Uh, <laughs> tater tot bridge and monkey monkey launcher uh yep. but monkey target where the physics just sort of like catapults you regardless of your actual yep. speed going down the ramp and things like that that can be annoying and you know lessen the experience but i would still say it's better than not having them at all personally yeah it does bum me out just because like i said when i was telling my monkey ball story a couple weeks ago Monkey Target was what made me enjoy Monkey Ball the one time that I played it, and it felt like this mythical game that I was never going to be able to get back to. And when I finally got this game, that was the thing that I was excited for. And actually playing it, I don't want to play that that mode anymore just because, like, the physics are all wonky. It feels like if I... 
adjust at all in any one direction, then I'm just ruining my entire run, and I don't like that. And it doesn't. It also doesn't seem like it would be too fun for multiplayer either, which is kind of what those modes are made for. So on that side of things, it's disappointing, but I still think for 40 bucks, especially with how many levels you get in the main game, you'll still find a good enough value out of that, out of uh, Banana Mania. 100%. I guess touching into what I've been playing, it's time for Manny to shill over a Marvel game. Oh boy. I famously have been an Avengers defender, except for with their XP boosters. I'm like, that's really disgusting, and I haven't touched the game since. Anyways, go yell at Square Enix that, you know, you don't like that. Don't attack developers, please. For the love of God, you can be upset about a product without attacking the developers and sending death threats. Just voice your disdain for it. But Square Enix, they're back, baby, with another Marvel game. Eidos Montreal, who you probably know best for the Deus Ex games and the last Tomb Raider game, which was kind of a weak way to go out. I still think it was a good game. It was just kind of meh. You know how people say, like, The Dark Knight Rises is a meh way to go out? That's kind of how I feel about Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Even though I like Dark Knight Rises, and I like Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, but they're just kind of meh ways to go meh ways to go out. They're back. They're here with another game, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is not based on the films, so they say. And it's really not. Um, there's only certain things, like some of the aesthetics and uh, music choices and stuff they'll take from the games the games the movies um but it's a completely original idea different set of heroes i guess like you still have your main five Groot, drax gamora rocket peter you play as peter primarily the way that i describe this game is like final fantasy 7's final fantasy 7 remakes combat system for dummies because in final fantasy 7 you have a different things you have like your i don't want to say they're tms but they might be tms you have your ultimate moves. You can actually switch to the different characters and stuff. Um, here you cannot. In Guardians, you play solely as Peter Quill, but you can upgrade your heroes to get different abilities that you can use in combat. So, like my Rocket right now, he has two different grenades. He has just a regular frag grenade, and then he has one that brings enemies closer to him. Drax, you know, he's a muscular guy, so he'll jump on people's backs to get more stagger damage, which will allow you to execute... Uh, specific like combo moves I guess like if you hit a button at a specific time it'll trigger an animation and you and maybe some other people will do a bigger amount of damage but I think the combat has been the weakest part so far but the story is actually pretty good pretty enjoyable I thought that I was gonna hate the guardians talking the entire time but they have good banter the writing's pretty good I like what they're doing with the characters there are little things like if you like if Rocket says, oh, there's nothing down that path, it's a dead end. And you still go down there and you walk through the other way, he'll just start like doing a slow clap and start saying, walk a shame, walk a shame. <laughs> so I like like those kinds of things. It's a cute game. I, I've enjoyed it so far. I'm only about five hours in. I've completed the first five parts. It's about 15 chapters, I believe. So I've completed the first five of that. So about a third of the way through the game. But I'm enjoying it so far. Now, you were telling me that you were having issues playing it on your PC? Yes, I was because I don't know why games just don't optimize always at the same level. For context, Cyberpunk and Marvel's Avengers, which are both pretty graphically intensive games. And both critically acclaimed, fine. of course. Oh, yeah, the best games. <laughs> Listen, technically, well, I don't even want... Visually, they're, they're really good games. 
Cyberpunk especially. Like, you can't deny the game's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous-looking game. Um, I can run both of those medium settings on my computer, and they'll run about 60 frames the entire time and not have issues. This game, I try to run medium settings, doesn't run. Runs maybe like 20, 30 frames. I had to turn everything down to low, and then it started running more consistently. But I have heard that the first planet in general is just kind of choppy. So maybe that's what happened. But since then, I've just been playing on low. I still think it looks fine enough for me. I'm not going to complain a whole lot because I understand what I'm working with here. But it's it looks good. It's a cool art style. The character models, they did the thing of we're not going to take the uh, MCU sort of face models and designs and stuff. You do have MCU comic uh, costumes, but the character designs are, you know, their own. But I, I noticed specifically with Gamora and Groot, those are ripped straight out of the Guardians comic from a couple years back. I want to say 2015 is when that run started happening. Um, that run, I believe, also had them incorporate Sam Alexander, which is the newer Nova as well. And the game being with the Nova Corps in general, which are space police, you get a lot of that. Uh, storyline as well you don't see any of them in the game you do get a uh, nods to them so maybe in the sequel if they decide to do a sequel but so far it's been a pretty fun game for $60 pretty tight from what I hear it's a pretty good story and I've I've only seen the first third but I've been engaged I've liked it there's (laughs) there's a sequence where Drax is talking about this uh I don't want to say like mob boss, but a boss that they're trying to give a creature to. And Drax just the entire time say like, oh, she's a giant. Oh, she's this and that. She can crush you with all this stuff. And when you finally get to see her, the two of them just start flirting with each other. And <laughs> and at one point, Peter, Peter goes, I should have given, you should have been the monster that I gave to her instead because some things happen. But like, they're just flirting the entire time. And I was like, that's really cute. And it's kind of funny. And it's, it's a charming game. If you like the Guardians films, you'll likely like the game. I do like the Guardians films, but will I ever play this game? I have no idea. Maybe if it, I think I told you if it goes on Game Pass, I might play it. And it might at some point because it did come out for console, didn't it? It's on console, but I was watching some people talk about it recently. And they said the reason why it might not go to Game Pass anytime soon is because the difference between this and Avengers is that Avengers can continue to be monetized even if it is free-to-play. Guardians, you have to sell copies in order for it to make money to show Mm -hmm. Square Enix, who is very picky. Like, Shadow of the Tomb Raider sold 5 million copies, and they said it was a disaster. And they said it was I remember that. 5 million copies is a good number. (laughs) It's a good number to sell. 5 million copies outright? Like, that's impressive. It's impressed, like, going back to, like, oh, company that expects a lot for a video game franchise and all that stuff. When I heard that Jedi Fallen Order sold 10 million copies in, like, a month, I'm like, oh, God, that's really good. You go to, like, the top 10 best-selling games of all time. Number 10 is, like, around 30 million. So any game selling, like, 10 million in a month or even in a year, that's impressive as hell, especially now when we've got, like, streaming for games. And it's like games are on sale digitally all the time. I don't know if that counts toward the total number of copies and all that. But like with all those factors and games still actually selling that much, it's extremely impressive. 
No, I'm with you. Plus just having way more to choose from. Uh, okay, so EA made the announcement in its earning release for the fourth fiscal quarter ended March 31st. So between November 15th through March 31st, Fallen Order sold 10 million copies. So not a month, which is a bit hyper hyperbolic, which I figured. Um, but I mean, even selling in that amount of time, that's, that's a good selling game. And it's a good product. I love Fallen Order. Everyone should go play it. I had no interest in that game when it came out. Oh my god. But you like Metroid. Are you sure those are equivalent? Yes, because the it's a Metroidvania-like game. It's a Metroid Souls-like game. Have you played a Metroid game? I have played a Metroid game. Which Metroid game would you compare Jedi Fallen Order to? I just want to know. I'm talking about specific, what I'm talking about specifically is you're going through a map and you can't, you know, fast travel to anywhere. So you have to go into certain areas ahead of others because you don't have specific tools to get to other areas. It's like you can't cut down a vine at the beginning of the game. You have to unlock that skill later to come back to the planet to keep progressing through that specific map. That's what I'm talking about specifically with Metroid. Like you get abilities that will allow you to unlock different parts of the map as you progress. You have to do a lot of backtracking in order to do it because there is no fast travel in Fallen Order. Conceptually, I see what you mean, but also an EA, that being an EA game was the biggest deterrent for me. It's on Game Pass. I know. I'm still not going to play it. Oh my god, you're so stubborn. I also only have so many hours in a day. Yeah, so you'll spend a lot of them on Animal Crossing Happy Home Builder. Yes, because Animal Crossing is fun. Fallen Order is fun. What makes you not want, aside from EA, aside from EA, what makes you not want to play it? All I heard when it came out, and it's not that I can't handle difficult games, but all I heard was that it's like not to the level of what Dark Souls is supposed to be, but it's that kind of difficulty with all that backtracking. And it just seemed like nothing like what I wanted to play. Like I find like a Metroidvania, like the 2D style games like Metroid or Ori. I find those to move at a really good pace and you're constantly collecting new abilities and all that, which is a satisfying gameplay loop that I've talked about before. But that with like an EA game and also a Star Wars game, which I've never found lightsaber combat to be enjoyable in a Star Wars game. All those factors together just made it seem like a bit too much of a grind for me with a gameplay style that I already wasn't a fan of. And that's my concern. So like when it came out, I definitely didn't want to pay for it. Like at Game Pass, I've considered installing it before, but I still don't know if I'd be a fan of it. But there's difficult difficulty sliders. You can turn down the difficulty. And, and I feel that you get your abilities pretty quick. The, I mean, double jump is the last ability you get, so that's annoying. But I mean, you're getting your focus points really easily. And, and I really like what they do with the skills in that game because each skill, like you go to a Jedi temple in order to learn a new ability on a different planet. So like you'll go to, you'll go to a planet, there'll be a Jedi temple there. It'll be like a Zelda dungeon and stuff where you have to do a specific mm -hmm. puzzle using different mechanics and stuff but the mechanics in that dungeon will be the mechanics that you need to learn for your skill one of them is pushing so you'll have to like push balls into specific uh holes that'll then open up a tomb that'll have a jedi holocron there for you to see you'll do a flashback you'll go back to your training as a padawan before order 66 and you'll essentially remember it because the whole thing is that you've been cut off from the force so you need to learn you need to reconnect with the force since you've been gone for 15 years or so i just i feel like you should give it a shot but if you don't want to then that's perfectly fine that's your prerogative i might give it a shot at some point but there's also a lot of other games in my backlog that i haven't touched that i want to 
so it's fairly low on my priority list but with the ea deal that they have it should be on game pass for the foreseeable future if i change my mind yeah i will say one of my friends hates star wars didn't like any of the ea games didn't like any of the previous star wars games played this and absolutely loved it said it was his favorite game of the year that he played like it was just <laughs> everything that he wanted like not everything that like he wanted but it just like hit everything in a satisfying way that made it well worth the playthrough and the story was enjoyable and just the gameplay in general. Yeah, I do remember it got nominated for Game of the Year, which surprised me at the time. I don't think it should have been. I mean, that was just a tough year because you had Sekiro. Was that Red Dead as well? No, because Red Dead was up no, against No, Red God Dead was the year before. So it was the year after, yeah. All right, I want to look up these Game of the Year nominees from Spider the Game Awards that Spider year. Spider-Man? Nope, Spider-Man was, was the year before. I know, I know Spider-Man was the same year as God of War. What game would it have been then? Was it Last of Us 2? Did it lose to Last of Us? Sekiro won Game of the Year in 2019, which is the okay. year we're talking about. But I thought there was something else that was like a surprise runaway, looked like a runaway winner that didn't win. So I'm looking back at the nominees. Okay. Yeah, I know that Sekiro won. I just don't remember what else were nominated. Sekiro won. The other nominees were Control, Death Stranding, Outer Worlds, RE2 Remake, and Smash Ultimate. I think I thought Death Stranding would win because it's the Game Awards and they fucking, Jeff Keighley loves Kojima to death. Yeah. I think I, I thought mean, Death Stranding was going to win. So Fallen Order did not actually get nominated for Game of the Year. I thought it no, did. No, it was Best Action Game. Okay. Yeah, I thought it got a Game of the Year nom. No, it was Best Action Game. And I think it still lost to Sekiro. Oh, uh, let me look that up. Hold on, hold on. I've got it here somewhere. Action Adventure. It didn't get nominated for Action Adventure. What did it get nominated for? I'm looking. Action Adventure, the nominees were Sekiro, Borderlands 3, Control, Death Stranding, The Link's Awakening Remake, and the Resident Evil 2 Remake. Um, okay, I'm going to look at the Jedi Fallen Order Wikipedia page. It wasn't nominated for anything, to, to answer that. I swear to God I remember it being nominated for Game of the Year. Nope, I just did Control F, Jedi Fallen Order, wasn't nominated for anything. No, I looked it uh, up. And let me try to You're right, one. I just, I totally Mandela affected that game getting Game of the Year nominations. Yep, nothing was not nominated for... Oh, wait, yes, it is right there. It's nominated in 2020 against Last of Us 2, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, oh, Ori and the Will okay, of the Wisps, okay. Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Jedi Fallen Order. Because of their weird best eligibility. Action adventure game. Yep, best action adventure okay. game. It was right there. So then Game of the Year, it was Last of Us Part 2, Animal Crossing New Horizons, which I still think is funny for being nominated for Game of the Year, but I get it. That was nominated uh, for cultural impact and influence more than anything. Yeah. That Doom was the Eternal, pandemic Final game. Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, and Hades. It's a good list. That's a good yeah, that's a good crop from what I hear. I've only played one of those games. But yeah, I've just, uh, the eligibility for the game awards is always weird to me because, like, Smash Ultimate's a 2018 game, and it got nominated with the 2019 games, and the same with Jedi Fallen Order, but the next year. No, I'm with you. Some of it, some of it is great. But, so look, see, I knew it was nominated for Best Action Adventure Game. I knew it wasn't crazy. Good job. Uh, last thing I will say, the Game Awards don't matter at all. They have no prestige whatsoever. <laughs> the Oscars don't matter at all. The Emmys don't matter at all. Like what you like. <laughs> oh, no, they shouldn't. No, I, I wouldn't argue any award show should uh, affect your opinion at all. But I also think something receiving an Oscar does give it more prestige than a game getting the Game of the Year from the Game Awards. I think that's because you really love it. I feel like people, I don't know. I just feel like it's the same thing for gamers with Game of the Year. It's just, you know, based on what you care about more. I feel like it's just whatever Jeff Keighley likes because this is his baby. He actually doesn't vote. There was a whole thing. He doesn't vote on any of the games. He leaves that up to everyone else. 
<laughs> he's literally just a host and, and producer for the show. He doesn't vote on anything or nominate anything. Yeah, no, no, it, it's been a thing of people saying like, oh, well, Jeff is going to pick this because Kojima's like, guys, I don't pick anything. I just get the results and I say them and that's it. <laughs> and good for Jeff for building this out. But I mean, I do have to say that that event where uh, he got Reggie, Phil and Sean Layden all on the stage, the three big heads of gaming currently mm-hmm. for Xbox, Nintendo and PlayStation. That was a cool moment. Just because like, you don't see that a whole lot. It's a very cutthroat industry a lot of the times. But outside of Guardians, I have been playing my favorite game of last generation, Sunset Overdrive. I love that game. It's very good. I hate that it undersold and that they're like, all right, cool. So we're never going to make another sequel to this. I love it. I will continue to champion for this game to get another chance. I'm not going to go all Snyder Cut on you or anything like that. But acknowledge the game, at least, and it was cool to see in Ratchet and Clank, they put a fizzy in there as one of the guns because the whole point of Rift Apart was, oh, there's different rifts, different dimensions, and all this other stuff. And so you had a gun that would summon uh, special, not like special weapons, but they would like summon things from different games. So you have like giant robot elephants from Horizon, or you had the giant fizzy uh, blimp from, from Sunset Overdrive, or you know, things from Last of Us, stuff like that. So it was really cool to see them at least acknowledge that. But I'm going back and playing the DLC because I've never played the DLC for Sunset Overdrive. And so Hmm. this is my first time going into it. And it was fun. I was surprised how short it was, the first one that I played, which was to rescue Brilheim's sister from a boat because it was catching on fire. Or something like that. Um, but she ended up being the evil corporation who put everyone on the boat to blow them up so that she could get paid. Um, I like that sense of comedy. I really like the charm of Sunset Overdrive. I like the weapons. I like the movement. I just love everything about Sunset. There's nothing that I can really complain about, really. It was really quick. I think I finished in like two hours. If that, I just sped okay. through it. And it might be because I've played a lot of the game already, so... I can traverse the world pretty quickly. I have upgraded weapons that I can beat everyone up with pretty well. I have amps that get me very powerful pretty quickly. But it was quick. I was completing missions in like two minutes, something like that, real fast. Um, But I haven't started the second one, which is the physical robot assault. I don't know if that's the name, but that's what I've called it because that's essentially what it is. But I haven't started that one yet, so I will eventually play that. But if you haven't played Sunset Overdrive, please go play Sunset Overdrive. It's a lot of fun. It's really charming. It has really cool weapons. It's the basis of the new uh, Ratchet and Clank games, in my opinion. And also, it it inspired the movement for Spider-Man very heavily. It's a very movement-oriented game. You can I have played that game many times where I just don't even fast travel. I just want to go traverse by grinding on rails or jumping on cars, going on buildings, running on the sides of the walls. It's just really fun. And I tried to do that at one point, but it made me fast travel. It's like, oh, you're too far. You have to fast travel. And I'm like, I don't want to fast travel. I just want to keep going. Anyways, Sunset Overdrive, 
it's a lot of good fun. I really love that game. Everyone should go play it. It's on Game Pass and you can get it really cheap on your computer as well. And it runs great. I think I surprised you when a few weeks ago you brought the game up and I actually told you that I have, in fact, played and beaten that game. It was like one of the first games that I played when I got my Xbox one. That was an early game with gold after I got my Xbox one. And it's I remember it being solid. I remember it like some of the gameplay scenarios. I remember getting pretty repetitive, like they would do a lot of the same a lot of the same stuff, uh, especially toward the end of the game. I remember getting a bit monotonous, uh, but it was good overall. I don't think it's the best thing in the world, but like it was clever. It was fun. And I hadn't thought about it in years until you brought it up again. You convinced me to get to buy the DLC for it, and I still have to install the game. But I do have plans to get back to it at some point and go through it a second time and then run through that DLC. So I'm going to blame you for that if it's bad, and I'm going to give you all the props if it's good. Thank you. I enjoy it. I mean, like, there definitely are moments where it does get monotonous. I wasn't a big fan of getting more amps because you had to do that, like, horde mode minigame, which I wasn't. Yeah, the horde mode was, was what is what I keep remembering. Yeah. No, that was definitely my least favorite part of the game. Um, I'm not a fan of that. But I still don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Like, if I'm, I'm sure if I go back to it now, having not touched it in years that specific mode i'm sure i wouldn't think it's the worst thing in the world and be like oh okay it's a couple minutes and just have to hit this trap or do this and i'll be fine but yeah i I completely get that specifically with that aspect of it but the rest of it i mean like i loved it and the dlc adds new movement to it because like you were able to glide on the water originally like you could slide on it but now you can like dive and then do a jump up and then go further it is it's just fun it's a good game and the weapons were all pretty unique there were only a couple that i didn't really like but when you combined your weapons with your amps and had them be even more powerful like i had my acid sprinkler do ice damage as well so it would freeze everybody so it would poison everybody then do freeze damage then i take my hairspray bomb and i throw it shoot it and it'd create a bunch of different like rockets that would come out of it and everyone would die or i'd use my captain ahab to co- create a pool of overdrive then shoot up my turret copters now anyone that gets in there is gonna be shot by the turret copters and die and it's just really fun and you can do a lot of creative things with the weapons a lot of cool combinations i recommend everyone go try it i hope it does actually get ported to playstation because it means that they're thinking of it Insomniac, if you're listening, I know you're working on Spider-Man and Wolverine <laughs> right now. Port port Sunset. That's all I ask. Just port it onto a PlayStation. That way more people get to play it. More people playing games is good. And that's all I have to say. Because Insomniac owns the game. It's not an Xbox game. It's an Insomniac game. I was going to ask about that. I thought if Xbox had ownership of at least the, the IP, then I thought there was a chance, even if they didn't get Insomniac for it, that they might make a sequel for Game Pass, which I would I would be totally fine with. Uh, doesn't sound like that's in the cards, because it seems like Insomniac is in pretty good with PlayStation at this point. I mean, they're owned by PlayStation. Oh, they are? Okay. <laughs> they got bought out. It's funny, because Insomniac got bought out for, I think, $7 million. Bethesda got out for $7.5 billion, or something like that, like a ridiculous number. It just shows you the power dynamic. And it's also just the power dynamic of Microsoft has fuck you money. It has mm-hmm. a lot of money that they can just buy with. Microsoft can lose money on Xbox and still make be profitable hit, uh, hand over fist. Sony needs PlayStation yeah. a lot more than Microsoft needs Xbox. 100%. 
Microsoft could keep losing money on Xbox for years to come, and they'd yep. be perfectly fine because the PCs, the OS, everything, they're good. Some Mario Party. I won both times last night, Punk. Uh-huh. You're really salty because I, I, don't I won that first one in a very cheeky way. I should not have won that first game. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Was... I said I don't want to talk about it. I said I do not want to talk about it. Okay. I do not. It's bullshit. It's a fucking bullshit game made for babies. You're just mad because you lost. Super Mario... No, this is Mario Party. I'm not mad because I lost. Mario Party Superstars. I'm not Superstars. mad that I lost. I'm mad at how I lost. So let me let me paint a picture for y'all of what happened in this first game. So it was a 20-turn game. It was turn 20 out of 20. I happened to land on a chance, uh, chance time space. Now, in chance time, just a brief explanation, there's three uh, spaces, like the little dies that you can hit, just like you hit to roll your die for each turn. Two of them will decide the people that uh, one person is going to hand hand something over to another person or a CPU, whatever. And then the the middle die uh, determines whether it's coins or stars or both. So on the last turn, I had two stars. Manny had zero. On the last turn, I hit the chance time dice. So it ended up being me having to give both my stars to Manny in the last turn of the game. And then he got the bonus stars. And then he won the entire game after being in fourth place, kind of struggling the entire game for all 20 turns. And then the last turn, just by pure chance, he wins the entire game. That's what Mario Party does. That's why the game fucking yeah, sucks. Yeah, it was great. The game fucking sucks. Don't don't let him tell you it's great. It's a bullshit game made for babies. Like I said, uh, it's also incredibly fun. No, it was a lot of fun. Because <laughs> uh, we, we both ended up getting it. You paid for it. Thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas. I had played it the night before, and I won that game. Then I played it again, mm-hmm. and I lost. I was, I think, like second. And then I won the both times that we played. The second time that we played, that was a well-earned victory. I fought hard for that one. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> The first star that got I got. You on one turn. You got yeah. lucky on one turn, because uh, they barely moved the star after you bought your star on one turn. So you had enough uh, spaces left on your roll that you were able to get another star in the same turn, and you almost got a third star. I did almost get a third star. I think I was like three spaces away from getting a third star. <laughs> Not that you needed a th- an extra star, but no, you No, I ended the game it. with what, five stars? Six? Five, five, I think. Five. Yeah. I ended that game with five stars, which... If you don't know Mario Party, you're like, oh, only five stars? Five stars is a lot. Yeah. Sadly, there's no 3.5 star option in, in uh, Mario Party Superstars. No, no. Yeah. Unfortunately. But it's yeah. been a I'm lot very, of fun. I'm very bad at the game. I'm, I'm bad at the mini games. we found out, mostly because I don't bother to read the descriptions before I, <laughs> before I ready up. I see, I see like how, what, how the controls work, but sometimes I forget to look up the actual objective of the game, as Manny can attest to. Uh, so that was uh, not ideal. Yeah, it was so funny because one of them was like whack-a-mole, but you're the mole trying to not get whacked. So you would have to pop your head up, you know, try to stay there as long as you possibly can. And then when you see someone coming, try to duck your head before they get you. That way you can build up more points and stuff. Nick thought the game yeah, was I not thought... get hit at all and bury yourself inside yes. the holes. Well, I didn't. I honestly wasn't. I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention because I thought I didn't realize that my head was not poked out at all. I figured it was a good thing that my head wasn't poked out at all because you don't want the moles to whack you. It's kind of the case. 
but you need to poke your head out at least a little bit because you have to accumulate the total amount of time. So next time we do that in game, I'll know and I'll kick your ass. That's what you think. Uh, but yeah, mm. I definitely won that game. I don't I don't remember which one of us ended up winning the most mini games, but I know that there were some that I was just completely terrible out. I think I might have won a couple more than you, but yeah. Uh, that, there was one. There was one mini game that I should have <laughs> won that was complete garbage that I didn't because it's uh, like dungeon duels or whatever, whatever. You're trying to open up doors. You're alternating with your teammate uh, to open up uh, passageways and then you have to like jump on platforms and rotate them to get somewhere so we're at the very end i'm ahead by a solid two seconds or so um <laughs> and we and you have to blow up a balloon a hot air balloon so you can yeah. get out he started later than me and he somehow got it like maybe by like one tick before i did and i'm it was so the closest i've ever that. seen anything it was you, horrendous. you just didn't match the lnr buttons quick enough bro you got to get on my level when it comes to mashing those buttons. I mashed the B button a lot. Well, but yeah, but op for, for blowing up, up the balloon, gates. you had to alternate no, yeah. the L and R. No, yeah, I know. I was just talking about like uh, like the first part of that level where you have to open up the gates for everybody. And I was mm -hmm. just mashing that B button so fast. Had a good lead. Good lead. It's honestly the best way to balance that minigame, though, is to have one, one of one of us on each side and give each of us a computer partner because yeah. if it was you and I together, we that would have been the easiest minigame of all time because we program our computers for normal and they still beat me at Mario Party overall. <laughs> That's true. They did beat you. Yeah, um, I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, Mario Party's been fun uh, coming off of Super Mario Party, which I couldn't play because I didn't have an actual Switch. I only had a Switch Lite, so I wasn't allowed to play that game. I did play it at people's houses and stuff, and there were mechanics from it that I did like that I wish were in here, specifically the dice. I actually really like, you know, like hedging your bets you. and saying like, well, you know, this one has some more twos, but there is a seven, so I might, you know, try to get that one or... Different things like that that add a different layer to it. But I understand that this is, you know, a remaster of the first three games with mini games from all of them. But, you know, first three games are the boards. I will say the not um, I think Super Mario Party's idea of going so far in the other direction with the motion control mini games obviously made it so that it was inaccessible for some people like you, like when the Switch Lite came out or mm -hmm. people who just uh, play on handheld most of the time. It's hard to play. You can technically play Super Mario Party on the handheld if you use the kickstand and all that. It's not ideal. I do think having the option to have some of those motion control mini games in this game would be appreciated. I feel like it went a little too far in the other direction. I think, again, having the option, having more options is always good, especially because the whole gimmick of the Switch is accessibility. I think being able to play, you know, stuff from the Wii, like if they had a separate minigame section with stuff from the Wii and Super Mario Party, I think that would be cool. But they haven't done that. Maybe they will. They are going to be updating this game. I don't know what, what they're going to be adding. Hopefully more boards because uh, five boards is not enough. I think I don't think it's one more than we got for Super Mario Party. Uh, but I hope they add more. And I hope that's at some point, whether it's whether it's adding stuff to this game or whether it's the next game in the series, I hope they have a mix of both uh, button control and motion control minigames, because I think having more options is always good. I don't want them to release another Mario Party until the Switch Pro comes out, or as I'm calling it, the Switch Pro LED. I think that's a fantastic <laughs> name, and that's what they should go with, personally. But I think, you know, it'll be the same thing with Mario Kart. We'll wait a couple years until they release a new one. But release it with a Switch Pro LED. That way I can upgrade to a Switch Pro LED. 
and then I can not complain about not being able to play the game. Yeah, well, you can play this one pretty pretty well. Yeah, this one I can play entirely, like, perfectly fine. That's not the issue. The issue is that you disconnect in the middle of the game, and you have to go back into the menu, go back into multiplayer, go back into private, click on save game, click on invite player, wait a minute for a person to connect, then wait another minute for the game to register that you're trying to play a game. It's It's a hassle. <laughs> Switch online, for the love of God. Just please update yourself. Nintendo, yeah. please. Please. Deaf ears is what all of our words are falling on. Not just because no one listens to our podcast, but also because it's Nintendo. Yeah, it's just Nintendo. There is one more <laughs> bit of gaming that I want to talk about. And it's not okay. an actual game, but it is related to gaming. And that is Todd Bot. Okay, let's let's talk about this real quick. This will be irrelevant already to our circle of friends by the time this episode comes out. I know. I just want to say rest in peace to Toddbot. Toddbot is a Discord bot that allows... Uh, it's a, like, fictionalized version of Todd Howard. So it'll just post a lot of Todd Howard memes and photos and responses and all other stuff. So we started singing, like... Uh, take me home country roads one line at a time and it would just respond oh my god it's a really fun bot um it's really stupid yeah. it's essentially a magic eight mm-hmm. ball that you yes. <laughs> but with todd That's howard what it is it's a magic eight ball but with todd howard um but it's fun and it's fun like when you have no idea what it is but if mm-hmm. you know who todd howard is you're like what is todd bot and then it'll just start responding to stuff and you can just go on with a bunch of random stuff but Toddbot is fun. I have it in one of my other discords. We don't use it a whole lot other than like if we say Todd or Fallout or Skyrim, Bethesda, anything like that. But it's a fun bot that was murdered too early. <sighs> but you'll be missed Toddbot. Gone too soon. Oh, yeah. I was just going to bring up a couple highlights of Toddbot. I took some screenshots last night of the best moments. So uh, our friend Elena that we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I hope you went and followed their Instagram page with their with their dogs on it. They're cute Shibas. I asked Toddbot whether Ahsoka, the their baby, their baby Shiba is adorable. And Toddbot said no. And you and me and our friend Harley and other people in our, in our, our server went absolutely crazy. And I think we almost took Toddbot down right then and there because he said Ahsoka was not adorable, which is a lie, a, a dirty lie. And I don't know why Toddbot was like that. Uh, the next moment, just to plug the podcast a little bit, I asked Todd Bots, Toddbot if he listened to our podcast, and he said yes. So thank you, Toddbot. Uh, you, you're accounting for like a solid 50% of our listenership just by listening to us. And then I asked if, if everyone should listen to our podcast, and he said no, which I think is fair. Uh, and then I asked if the show would be better if, if I left, and he said yes, which I think is also fair. There were a couple other things that we <laughs> we started... <laughs> We asked him if he was vaccinated, and he said no. <laughs> yeah, we started asking him a bunch of, like, political questions, like, are you vaccinated? He said no. It's like, what do you think about, like, the, uh, like, do you say that trans lives matter? And he said, like, no. And uh, <laughs> we just want to say I think right I now. I asked him if, if black lives mattered, and he said maybe. <laughs> maybe is his favorite answer. <laughs> that yeah, or, he loves saying you know. Maybe. You know. You oh, know. You know. Does it work? It just works. You see that mountain over there? You can go climb it. Yeah, there are a lot of memes and stuff like that. But Toddbot is fun. Uh, It did annoy some people. It was fun. It was fun. I might bring that back. I understand why people get annoyed with it, but it was already in a channel that only us are in. So I'm kind of confused as to why Toddbot got kicked. Uh, 
Even Cody? I missed like, it. I, went, I was in the movies. Yeah. The movies. All this happened while I was at the movies earlier. It made me sad. Yeah, I, I was on set, so I didn't get to see it. I co- I saw a message that said, I come home, and I see Todd Bot lying on the ground dead, and I was like, no! But, yeah, Todd Bot. That's all I got to say about Todd Bot. Bef- before we go into what we're watching, I want to mention one quick thing uh, related to music, and that is the fact that last oh. night was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Foo Fighters are inducted, mm. baby. They're in the Hall of Fame. Paul McCartney gave the inductments, the inductment indict in inductments induction induction speech induction speech the indictment yeah, he gave the induction Paul McCartney gave the, the indictment, indictment of the Foo Fighters yeah he gave uh the induction induction speech wow I cannot say that word the induction speech <laughs> and it was really nice I haven't seen high quality video of the entire thing because it wasn't recorded you know by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I've just seen some uh phone recordings and stuff but a lot of the members gave really touching things um chris shifty uh plays guitar he said like i just want to thank like all the bands that i played with in garages and bars and stuff and he started listing a bunch of specific people and he said because if it wasn't for you i wouldn't have been ready in 1999 to play with my favorite band foo fighters and you know join this family and that was really nice and touching and i just love them in general i I, it's very clear that i just have the biggest love for Foo Fighters and for Dave, oh, I'm aware. Pat, yeah, Dave, Pat, Shifty, Nate, Taylor, and Rami. Uh, I love them all. You're on a first I'm name still... basis with all of them. Yeah. Uh, listen, listen, you want me to go by last names? Grohl, Mendel, Shiflet, Smear, Hawkins, and Jaffe. Love them all. It was my favorite thing. Oh, at one point, uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, said, like, these are a bunch of bands that I want to get inducted into here. He said George Michael, which I was like, yeah, I get him in there. He said Soundgarden because everyone wants Soundgarden in there and they haven't been in it yet. So he said a bunch of other bands and stuff. And I'm like, cool, give credit to where credit is due and say, like, these are other bands that should be in here. And they just seem like really humble guys, cool people. Yeah that love what they're doing and doesn't seem like they'd want to be doing anything else. And it shows Taylor Hawkins still showing up with a tank top cut off sleeves and everything. It's the Taylor Hawkins look. (laughs) I love it. He was like that at the concert I went to. And I'm sure he'll be there in February when I go see Foo Fighters. Maybe, maybe I I want to get those tickets. Hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, I just wanted to take some time and talk about Foo Fighters because absolutely love them favorite band and i'll and i will keep talking about them okay i'm still finishing dave's book but i will give a final review on that (laughs) okay okay yeah you mentioned they had paul mccartney introduce them they should have had christopher walken introduce them i think they were gonna they were gonna ask dave's mom to to (laughs) do the induction ceremony and i'm like that's a good that's a good pick it's a really good you know about all of them were like that's really good but they were like no Oh, you're talking about the Paul, the Christopher, Christopher, Christopher Walken? Yeah, that story? Yeah, the Christopher Walken SNL thing. I know thing. that story yeah. very well. I have that, I have the video of him introducing them bookmarked. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. <laughs> Dave's impression of that is incredible. I love Dave so much. Speaking about Dave, uh, Diaz and Miro, it's a TV talk show, I guess, on a Showtime? Showtime. Um... They had Dave on, and they were talking about uh, how Dave's favorite artist that he wanted to see was Little Richard, and he tells this Little Richard story. But there was one thing that he was leaving out, and that was 
the fact that him and Lemmy, Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead and stuff, they shared a love for Little Richard. And there was a pamphlet hmm. that he got signed from Little Richard during that story that he signed that he was going to give to Lemmy before he passed. And uh, I've seen the eulogy that he gives at the funeral, and he and he put the uh, pamphlet in, I don't want to say like in his grave, but he brought it for him, and he did a really touching eulogy for Lemmy. And it's just, I love it. I, I love Dave. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but Dave's cool. And he seems really genuine. You heard it here first, folks. Really Manny does. loves Dave Grohl. I do love Dave Grohl. Listen, my background <laughs> is me and Dave Grohl that Harley photoshopped. That is the background on my computer. <laughs> I have it was not a good changed Photoshop. It. it was a good Photoshop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if if you know me, you know that I love Foo Fighters and I love Dave Grohl. And that man should be protected at all costs. And I, I really hope that nothing comes out about him. I know that, you know, in the past he was kind of a you know, addicted bandmates and he switched a lot of stuff around and he did the drummer dirty because, you know, he re-recorded stuff, but it's his music and he wanted it to sound a certain way. And it's a whole thing. I know that Dave has done, you know, not the best amount of things, but as a whole seems like genuine. So go listen to Dave girl's music. It's good. And now that you said that bad things are going to come out in three, two, one. No, no. Please, no. Uh, but no. That segues into what we've been watching. And I want to start off with something that... Oh, wait. I have another thing that I finished watching. Okay, cool. So I have a couple things that I want to talk about. I have continued to watch Cowboy Bebop. I am now three... Count them. One, two, three episodes into Cowboy Bebop. It's still enjoyable. We finally got uh, introduced to Faye Valentine. So I'm excited to see where the rest of her character goes because I know that she's integral to the rest of the show and I'm nervous about the Netflix version the reason why I'm watching the show is to watch the Netflix version on top of I've just heard really good things and it's an anime that I seem to enjoy because it's kind of like anime Firefly which I know Nick is gonna get mad at me for mentioning that person's show but I like the show what can I say I didn't say anything I know but it's like space, it's like an anime version of Firefly, but with jazz music. And the music goes so hard in that show. The opening theme, Tank, oh my god, it's so good. But I'm cautiously optimistic about what they're going to do with the Netflix show. Other than that, I I have gotten back into Teen Wolf, baby. Nick, sure. Uh, they, can't, they, can't see, they can't see the screenshot, but there's a screenshot where I say like, oh no, it's back. I'm going to be real bad now. Teen Wolf is one of those shows that I unapologetically love. I understand it's campy. I understand it's teen melodrama. I understand it's not the best amount of storytelling or anything like that. I just love watching this show. And it's mainly because of Dylan O'Brien. Because I just, I love Dylan O'Brien. Uh, You've got I a big crush on Dylan O'Brien. Listen, we don't have to get into this right now, but I do love Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> um, no, Dylan O'Brien, he's... I, I've liked him in a lot of stuff that I've seen. I think that he's better than the work he's given, which was a theme for this weekend because there was also Miles Teller in Whiplash, who I also think is better than a lot of the stuff that he's in. Except for Whiplash and Spectacular Now. Those are the two things that he's genuinely really good in um, and that I know he can do better. But Team Wolf. Have you seen the original film? No. Okay. Anyways, it has nothing to do with that other than showing a couple oh, of characters' okay. name. 
it, it only shows like a couple of the characters' names. Like uh, the coach in that movie is Coach Finstock, and in the show, it's Coach Finstock. I don't know if the I don't know if Michael J. Fox's character in the movie is also Scott McCall, but it's a Scott. So he's playing, you know, Scott and Scott. And I don't remember if, you know, Styles Stolinski was in it or not. But that's pretty much where the similarities end outside from a teen a teenager becomes a werewolf. So this first season was focused mostly on Scott becoming a Becoming a werewolf, he gets bitten in the, he, yes, he gets bitten in the first episode, and you sort of see the different relationships that it actually opens up in that first episode alone. You get introduced to a group of hunters, you get introduced to another werewolf named Derek, you get introduced to his girlfriend, the best friend, the high school relationships, the teen bully, a lot of cliched stuff, right? But it's just, it's cute. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, Amy, who I'll have on the show for talking about Taylor Swift. Teases for things to come. Um, we were talking. We we're saying <laughs> I will like, not be there. Yeah, you won't be there. I'll be there because because I enjoy getting yelled at about my opinions on Taylor Swift. Not really, but Nick just didn't want to do that, and I'm I'm I support women, so uh, go Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> that caught me off guard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the first season revolves mostly around Scott being a whiny little baby brat and saying like, "I don't want the powers. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that." He's like if Spider Man was just ungrateful for everything that was ever given to him, which I mean, understandable. You're turned into a werewolf. You got bitten, like, I get it, um, but he's like, if Peter just didn't accept the responsibility for a lot of the show, but then eventually he does, you know, come around, and he's like, fine, I'll do this, but I want to get rid of the powers, uh-oh, there's no way to get rid of the powers, he's stuck with them, and so we start the second season, I hate when that happens, yeah, and so we start the second season, I guess I'll spoil Teen Wolf right now, Nick, you're not gonna watch it, right? No, I do not care one iota you can go awesome, right ahead cool i'm spoiling teen wolf right now go watch it on amazon go watch it on paramount plus go watch it on hulu it's on those three services right now uh teen wolf so the whole tension of season one is that scott's girlfriend allison she comes from a family of hunters but she doesn't know that she comes from a family of werewolf hunters so her dad and her aunt are essentially trying to hunt down the werewolves and see who's doing all the killings because there's been some killings no way. in Beacon Hills. And so, listen, I don't... Okay, keep going with it. Uh, so <laughs> trying to figure out who's doing all the killings because the werewolf that supposedly bit Scott, his name is Derek, right? He doesn't know what's going on either, but he knows that there's an alpha out there that is doing all this stuff. Mm. We find out that the person that A bit... Uh, Scott and B has been doing all the murders is actually Derek's uncle Peter who we thought was immobilized after the Hale House fire which was six years ago that burned all of Derek's family except for him his uncle and his sister uh his sister is dead at the beginning of the show no yeah because the hunters um the hunters set the house on fire 
uh, because they're like, well, they're a bunch of werewolves. we got to go kill them. But there were innocent people in there. And there's a code that hunters adhere to, to where they don't kill any miners, they don't kill any innocents, and they don't kill anyone, any werewolves that haven't, that they don't have proof has shed blood, uh, let have killed humans before. So, uh, at the end of season one, we find out that Allison's aunt, Kate, who, did you ever watch Wipeout? The reality show? Uh-huh. Uh, maybe a couple episodes here and there. Okay, because one of the hosts on that show, Jill Wagner, she plays um, a werewolf hunter in this show. Okay. Um, okay, sure. But not only that, she groomed a young werewolf to lead to lead her to the house to then set him on fire and burn him alive. She groomed a young werewolf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was in, like, high school, and she groomed him mm. to, like, I mean, you groom someone. He, I guess, like, opened up to, to her about, like, oh, like, this is what I am. Here's my family and all this other stuff. And then she set the house on fire. Um, but the code is you're not supposed to kill minors. He was a minor. And she had done it before Uh-oh. and stuff. Not the code. She broke the code. Listen, the code is a big thing in this show, okay? The entire second season, <laughs> uh, they're like, because Allison's dad, he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. In the words of Zangief. From Wreck It Ralph, he's the he's an antagonistic force, but he's not a terrible person. And you know, going further into the show, you see more of that. But he adheres to the code very strictly. He doesn't kill minors, and he doesn't kill anyone that they don't have proof has killed someone before. So at the beginning of season two, uh, we get the grandfather who comes in. His name is Gerard. He's a sickly old man, but he comes in and he's like, "There is no code anymore." And now they're just starting a war with anyone, like anyone that they think is a werewolf. And it's fantastic to see all the tension between everyone. And then there's another one. I don't remember her name, but she <laughs> she has seizures. So like, okay, there's a scene. The first introduction that we have to her is them like doing like rock climbing walls and stuff. So she's trying to climb up this wall, but she starts seizing. And so they have to bring her back down. And so they're, like, you know, trying to take care of her. They're making sure that she's okay and all that stuff. Then she does it again when no one's around. And she goes without, like, a harness and stuff. And she starts seizing up again. Um, And so she falls back. But Scott rescues her. But they take her to a hospital. And in that hospital, Derek kidnaps her from her room. Puts her into another room. (laughs) Locks the door. And essentially starts, like, oh, like, what if you didn't have all these other things? What if I took away all of the bad stuff and your height and all of your senses were heightened and all this other stuff? And so she agrees. And then, and then take a guess at what happens next. She comes into school the next day and she looks hot. And that's how you know that she's changed from a normal person to a werewolf. Nick, the show is amazing. This must be what people sound like when I explain wrestling storylines. Or when you explain Bond. Oh my God, it's fantastic. Mm. It's great. I absolutely love the show. Oh, oh, but I didn't mention. So at the end of season one, right? Al- oh, Allison's okay. dad. Sure. Uh, Allison's, you know, family. They know that Scott is a werewolf now. So we start off season one with the two of them, like, making out in the car, like, hardcore. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're in, like, someone's car. I don't remember if it's Scott's. I think it's Scott's car. They're making out. And then a door opens and an arm gets Scott out of the car. Puts him on the hood, holds a gun to his face, and, 
and Allison starts saying like, no, dad, no, don't do it. I promise I'll stop seeing you. Just don't kill him. I promise I'll stop seeing you. And he's like, never again. Oh my God. Is it a shotgun? Please tell me it's a shotgun. No, it's a pistol. Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh my God. This show. I was hoping it's like so those prom good. photos with the dads with the shotgun. No. Oh, but they do like foreshadowing in season one because like you, you know that Allison's parents are werewolf hunters before she does. And so like she mm. invites Scott over and they're like doing all this other stuff, you know, they're studying. And then like, she's like, oh, I want to show you like a talent that I had as a kid. And so she goes to an old box because they just moved into this town and she picks up a bow and arrow and she aims at his face like, what are you doing? It's like, I used to do archery and all this other stuff. And so they set up her like doing archery and stuff. And then it comes back into the season finale of season one because at that point, uh, her aunt has already told her like, yo, we hunt werewolves. And so she starts shooting at Derek and Scott to immobilize them. And then when her aunt is like, all right, now kill them. She's like, what? what? I'm not going to kill them. Oh my god, it's fantastic. Um, other than that, you have a couple characters that come in and out. Derek, he leaves after a couple seasons. He comes back for the finale. You have characters like Malia, who gets introduced in season 3B, which is the Void-style season, which is by far the best season. But you have that whole faction of Stelia, Stelia I should say, Stelia and Stidia. Uh, shippers, did you want Styles to end up with Malia or Lydia? I personally was a Stidia person. I think he works best best when he's with Lydia. I think that they establish it very early on, even if it is just a platonic relationship, that they're meant to be with each other regardless, like even if it's not romantically, because in season three, you have this uh, plot line where, each, where they are each other's tether back into reality. So I thought that that was a really good way to set up that if they do, follow it and if not then you have that just really strong friendship relationship throughout the entire thing um you have characters like the the sheriff styles dad who i really like because they just really work as a father's son and then when you get to season five and no season six and you have the whole uh wild hunt aspect where styles gets taken and erased from memory and there's that scene where he goes to his dad and he's like oh my god it's you it's you and he's like calm down son calm down all right, now tell me, what's your name? And it's just like, oh my God, I'm forgotten. I am officially nobody. And they're trying to, you know, remember Styles. And it's a really good season because even though Dylan O'Brien isn't in it a whole lot, the entire season is still about him. And it's just really good. It is the most melodramatic, overdramatic, overproduced show that I've ever seen. In the best ways. It's a melodramatic, overdramatic show. But yes, in the best ways. And it's a very enjoyable show. For it's them. no Bachelor in Paradise. Nick, I would rather watch all, let's see, six, but five oh, and six are lightly. two seasons. So eight, I would rather watch all eight seasons of, well, if we're counting five as two seasons as well, because it was double like I would watch all nine seasons of Team oh, Wolf of course, again yeah, yeah. instead of watch another episode of Bachelor in Paradise. I'm just going to put that in our uh, Discord. Let Elena know. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's everything that I wanted to say about Teen Wolf for now. So, Teen Wolf, it's good. I, I recommend you go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Hulu. It's on Paramount+. Plus. movie comes out next year. It uh, has nothing to do with the Michael J. Fox films. Go watch Teen Wolf. It's fun campiness. Um, other than that, I watched Last Night in Soho. I thought it was okay. It's good visually. 
there's some really good editing. There's a dance sequence pretty early on in the film that was really well done and really well edited and it looks pretty much all in camera. There were a couple times where I could see, okay, that's where they cut, but for the most part, it looks really good. Uh, the story is disappointing. Um, I had heard a little bit saying like, oh, you know, the story isn't really that good. It's a bit messy. I think I'm with it for about the first hour 20, but then the last 40 minutes, I'm like, okay, uh, it started to fall apart for me. Um, I think it has, I, I liked one ending better than the other. Um, just to keep it vague, but other than that, I'd probably give it like a seven. I thought it was fine. It was not the worst way to spend, you know, a time on Thursday. Uh, all I can say about last night in Soho, I haven't seen it. It never interested me. Uh, neither of the trailers did much for me. I like the Edgar Wright stuff I've seen. I've seen the Corneau trilogy and Baby Driver, and I liked all those. But he's never been someone that anything new that he comes out with is a must see for me. And this wasn't a must see, and it didn't sell me. I'm, I'm hearing, I guess, conflicted reports. It's mostly negative, I think, at this point. The more and more people that I follow that are coming out that have seen it, a lot of people don't like this one. And bits and pieces I hear, I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound like it would be for me either. Um, I might watch it eventually, uh, but no no real desire to at this moment. My lack of desire has not been changed by the, the stuff I've heard since it came out, I guess I'll say. But yeah, I guess we can move on to the stuff I've been watching. Uh, since we last recorded together, I've watched a, a ton um, other than Bond. Uh, I guess I will say real quick, today as as of uh, this recording, I went and saw No Time to Die a second time, and I still still thought it was great. And it's the first time I ever saw a movie multiple times in theaters, so that was fun. I had a great Cherry Icy uh, recurring theme now with me going to movies is that I just get my Icy. And I share it with everybody, and everybody's very happy to see that I've gotten an icy in the Discord, which is nice. Other than that, I, I finished the uh, trek that I've been going on this year through Wes Anderson's filmography, leading up to The French Dispatch, which I also saw a couple days ago. Uh, so the, the last few that I had to get through were The Life Aquatic, which I enjoyed, and Rushmore, which I thought was great. Um, and then I got to French Dispatch. It was a weird release for French Dispatch because... At first, I thought it was supposed to be a wide release on October 22nd, and there were even showings in all the theaters around me, all the AMC theaters around me at least, um, like for that entire weekend. And then they got pushed at like the last second, so there was only one theater near me that was playing it, and it got pushed to October 29th, and I was able to go see it. And this might be, other than a movie that I saw for Tribeca that's not out yet, uh, this I think this is my favorite movie of the year so far. I'm a massive Wes Anderson fan, and this gave me pretty much everything I love from Wes Anderson. His signature style is all over this movie. He's got great actors giving great performances, or if they have two lines of dialogue, or they have whole sections of the film that they lead. It's just great. I love his style. I love the bits of sentimentality that he gets in along the way. Every Wes Anderson movie has points that make me really sad. They hit exactly the way that they should, and this movie's no exception. There is one scene, one conversation, and one line in particular near the end of the movie that got me choked up, and I can't wait to see this one again. That was my, the best thing that I've seen pretty much, I guess, this entire year, and I'm quite happy about it. That is until The Eternals comes out, baby. I'm kidding, no. I was going <laughs> to say licorice uh, pizza, but then I said, nah, 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 let's play into the meme. Eternals. Ball collection, Ikea. You know what never saved the world? Your sarcasm. I'm very much looking forward to Licorice Pizza. I know I complain about seeing the Eternals trailer at every movie I've been going to. It's the opposite for the Licorice Pizza trailer because that's a movie I expect to love, and I do think that's just a great fun trailer. Whereas the Eternals trailer I don't think is 
like a particularly good trailer in any way whatsoever. Um, yeah, I can't wait for Licorice Pizza. As of recording, we're about a month away from it, I think. I think Thanksgiving weekend is when it's out, assuming it's like a wide release. Yeah, we talked a little bit about like what we're looking forward to for the end of the year. And so for you, it would probably be, is Licorice Pizza like the big film that you're looking forward to for the rest of the year? For the rest of the year, I would say so. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up <clears throat> IMDb here, make sure I'm not missing anything. Yeah. Because I think for you, it's Licorice Pizza, and then I think for me, it's House of Gucci. I think that's the one that I'm excited for the most, actually. Well, House of Gucci, um, I did see The Last Duel, the other Ridley Scott movie from this mm -hmm. year. I saw that a few weeks ago, which I thought was excellent. And the the law of Ridley Scott tells us that uh, for every for every good Ridley Scott movie, we get a bad movie right after it. So no, since we Last, got like three uh, Last bad Duel movies. was great. <laughs> yeah, so since Last Duel was great, that means House of Gucci is going to suck. Just in general, I'm I don't enjoy movies that are in the style of House of Gucci. The only thing that is actually making me interested is the fact that Adam Driver is in it as a main character and that we have Ridley Scott making it because I'm not always a fan of period pieces, especially when they've got when they look overproduced like this one sometimes looks and you've got people in fat suits doing silly accents that they're just not built for in any way whatsoever. Like Jared Leto in this movie, like I'm going to hate him, I know. And it makes me worry that I'm not going to like the entire movie because it's going to be a long movie and it's already stuff that I'm not a big fan of. And I'm curious what the reception of this one's going to be and whether I like it at all, too, because I'm still going to see it. But I don't know if it's the one that I'm looking forward to. You're nothing. I'm uh, not going to do that impression again. The last time I did that impression on the podcast <laughs> and when I listened back, it was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Listen, I don't have a good Adam Driver impression either. I just I just like going I just like going around to people and saying, you're nothing. It's a good thing to tell people. Just walk up to someone and say, you're nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and it looks like he went from uh, The Martian to Alien Covenant to All the Money in the World to The Last Duel to House of Gucci. It's actually a good run. Like, I like Alien Covenant. I think The Martian is great. I didn't see All the Money in the World, but I heard generally good things. Um, and The Last Duel, I think, was great. So he's on a yeah. good run, actually, at the moment. Uh, before before the due, Martian was... He's due for a miss was, after all these hits, though. Yeah, so before the Martian was Exodus, Gods and Kings, The Counselor, <laughs> yeah. Prometheus, uh -huh. Robin Hood, Prometheus is good. American Gangster. Yeah, I, I, I saw American Gangster, and American Gangster is okay. Um, I heard nothing but bad things about Exodus in particular. It's weird, man. He makes the best and the worst movies. <laughs> I know. Like, I kind of appreciate it in the sense that he just keeps working. He keeps making like he's in his sure, 80s now and he's going. still making movies at the at, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he directed, I think, like two episodes of a show. Yeah, two episodes of Raised by Wolves, which is a TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. So like he keeps working, which good for him. Like that's I always applaud filmmakers that keep working. What What's his name? Mad Max. George Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some some directors, I'm like, yeah, you take all the time you need, make like take all the time. If you need to take ten years, take ten years, whatever it whatever it needs to be to make something really great. And then other directors, I'm like, yeah, just keep working. Like if you churn out enough, you're bound to get some some big hits in there, even if you have a couple misses along the way. Just keep working. I like I like both philosophies. The seventeen years before Mad Max Fury Road, you wanna know what he he did? 
the two Happy Feet movies and Babe Pig in the City. That's exactly what he did. What a filmography. And you know what? Good for him. Good for him. No, 100%. Good for him. I bet he did that stuff for his kids and grandkids, and I bet they loved it. Babe Pig in the City is a classic. Okay, man. Just just, just putting that one out I haven't there. seen the. I haven't seen Pig in the City. I've seen the original Babe. Pig in the City is pretty good. And I grew up with the Happy Feet films. I didn't like Happy Feet 2. Um, but Happy Feet 1, I mean... I never saw Happy Feet 2. Looking back on Happy I remember Happy liking Feet, the first one. I remember liking the first one, but I also kind of feel like maybe it's just boring. Because I haven't seen it in years. Um, yeah, I have no desire to ever see it again, though. I'll say that. Happy Feet... Listen, Happy Feet 1 it gave us a better version of Somebody to Love than the Amazon Cinderella film. That's not a high bar to clear. It's really not, but they really did a good job. Taylor Hawkins gave us the best version of Somebody to Love, I think, when he performed it live in Kansas City. My opinions of Taylor Hawkins singing do not reflect my opinions of him as a person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I was looking ahead to the rest of the year to see what I was missing. Um, So we've got Licorice Pizza coming up. We've got Spencer, which is the Kristen Stewart Diana movie. Are you looking forward to that? I'm not particularly interested in it. Oh, no, you're not. Okay. No, I'm just kind of seeing what's coming up. Uh... I don't know if I'll be a fan of that. I'm sure she'll get all the Oscar buzz for it. Um, so I'm sure I'll keep hearing about it. But I'm curious if it's going to be like the Judy movie with Renee Zellweger where it's only getting attention for the performance and the movie gets nothing else. Or if this is like a Best Picture contender and it gets all the nominations. I'm curious which which end that'll fall on. Because I haven't heard that much about awards buzz yet at this point in the year. We have a few movies that are coming out that'll probably get that buzz, but it feels like we're not getting as much as like as many movies as we usually do in that sense. Um, one of those movies that I actually do think looks good. Have you seen trailers for Belfast? Any of the movies you've been to? I saw it when I went to go see Last Night in Soho and I was like, oh, yeah, this looks like something Nick would like. Yeah, it look to me. It looks good. And it doesn't look like I only saw the trailer once. It doesn't look like overly pretentious or anything. It doesn't look like a hidden life. Oh, no, A Secret Life? A Secret Life. A Secret Life. A Hidden Life, the Terrence Malick movie. The Terrence Malick movie, yeah. Terrence Malick, that fucker. <laughs> That's a sad bite. I've never seen a Terrence I Malick could movie. Have, I could not have seen a trailer that looked more pretentious and boring than A Hidden Life. I looked at this, and I was like, oh, my God. And my friend turned to me, she's like, I really want to see that. That looks really good. And I looked at her, and I was like, you can go see it alone. It's almost three hours. Anyways, not a fan of Terrence Malick. That's just my opinion. Okay. Anyways, you were continuing. We've, we've established that. Yeah, so uh, November 19th, we've got Ghostbusters Afterlife, which, which looks dull as shit. We've got King Richard, which actually looks okay, even though I don't know why we're seeing the father's perspective of the story of Venus and Serena Williams. I still think the movie looks decent. Uh, ooh, it's two hours and 18 minutes, though. I didn't realize it was two hours and 18 minutes. That might, <laughs> That's kind of concerning. Um, we've got Come On, Come On, which is a Joaquin Phoenix movie that got some good attention when it released at whatever festival it was at. Is that the one um, I think the that's kid? an A24 movie. Uh, looks like it. Gotcha. I actually don't know what the movie's about. I know that it's him and a kid hanging out. That's all I know. Yeah, we got House of Gucci on the 24th. We've got Licorice Pizza on November 26th. So yeah, that that's a Thanksgiving Friday, I think. Um, oh yeah, we have a Resident Evil movie that looks terrible. Looks oh, cheap yeah, and terrible. Uh, December 10th, we got West Side Story, which I will see for Spielberg. Pretty much no, no other reason. Let's see. December 17th, we got Spider-Man No Way Home and Nightmare Alley. I think one of those will be better than the other, but the other one I'm going to see first. What's Nightmare Alley about? That's the Guillermo del Toro movie. 
with Bradley gotcha. Cooper. It's a period piece about okay. about like a circus and stuff. Not Antlers, because Antlers is the one that he produced but didn't direct. Yeah, and that gotcha. just came out, I think. Yeah, that That's came good. out Friday. Yeah. Uh, December 22nd, we've got The Kingsman, which oh I think looks okay. I love the first Kingsman, and I like... I will see most. I will see any Kingsman movie based on my love for the first Kingsman. That movie doesn't like it. Doesn't look terrible to me, but it's done nothing for me, and it's gonna bomb because it's up against the Matrix that day. The like like you talk about how like you just are over like the Eternals trailer. That's just how I am about the Kingsman franchise. I'm like, I really love that first one, but after the second, like the second one isn't the worst thing in the world. It's just disappointing. No, I find a lot of good stuff in the second one. It was I, very disappointing, though. I, I, actually, I actually like the visual style of the second one. I know everyone was coming like, oh, well, now every fight scene was just the uh, the church fight scene and all that stuff. And I was like, but they do creative stuff with it. Like, they have the whole, like, lasso that uh, Pedro Pascal has in it. Yeah. I did find the villain to be a little, like, iffy at times. I've seen the movie maybe, like, uh, once Julian or twice. Moore character, it sucks. Yeah. It yeah. sucks. I'm like, okay, I don't like this setting. I don't like that they brought back the... Well, I don't know if I would say that I didn't like that they brought back the spy from the first one who ended up being the bad guy. Uh, like, one of Edgerton's classmates and stuff. That does that does have the best version of Take Me Home Country Roads, though. Yes. Yes, it does. My best friend has been yelling at me for years about this take. I'm glad, I, I'm glad someone finally sees the light. It made me cry in the theater. And that movie, I was not enjoying that movie, but that rendition made me cry. There you go, folks. We found we found something that made Nick emotional. We found some common it's ground. It's white people movies. Yeah. And Take Me Home Country Roads. Which is more white people shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. West Virginia. Mountain Mama. Rest in peace to the Todd Bot. Um, Rest in peace to Todd Bot. Christmas Day, I think just in theaters, we have The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is one of the Coens. No, no, one- no. That, that, one, that one's streaming on Amazon. That one's streaming on Apple TV. I think it's like the no, week no, no. after. No, it's no, it's in it's in theaters. It's it's only in theaters for like the first month, and then in January it goes on Apple TV. Is it the? I thought it was like the first week. Anyways, it, it is going to be on Apple TV. Yeah, it comes out on Christmas Day in theaters, and then January like fourteenth. I want to say it's going to be on Apple TV. I'm gonna try and see that in theaters. I think. Yeah, that one's probably going to get a lot of buzz because it's uh, Denzel and Francis McDormand who just win Oscars for Breakfast. So. Although I am, I am sad that it's just got Joel Cohen, Joel Cohen because apparently Ethan Cohen retired from filmmaking, which makes me very sad because I didn't like the last two movies that the Cohen brothers made together, and I wanted them to make another, at least one more great one before one of them retired. What were the so last two? Hail Caesar and which other one? And uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which gotcha. I did not enjoy at all. I didn't see that one. I heard everyone talking about it, and I'm like, I didn't see it. No, just I don't. I'm not a big fan of the anthology format, which is another reason that I actually love French Dispatch because it does an anthology format, but it does it really well. I think I did not like the way Buster Scruggs did it, and yeah, I just had no no positive feelings about that movie really whatsoever. Also, I just want to say you talk about uh, Denzel racking up Oscars and stuff. He's only won two for acting. I know. One for one for know, supporting and one for I, best, but yeah, gets he gets nominated like every time he's in something, kind of like Meryl Streep. Well, not every time he's in something. Every time he's in something, he gets that nominated the a Academy lot. Likes. But I don't know why he got nominated for Roman J. Israel Esquire. That's a weird one for him to get nominated for. But the Fences nomination, I guess. They just had an open space. Yeah. yeah, Fences. I actually want him to win that year. Yeah, did Vi- Viola won for that one, right? Yes, but they put her in supporting. 
got we got to put more respect even on though that she's woman. the lead actress we in gotta that movie. put more respect on that woman she's got an oscar what more do you want respect listen i'm about to turn into what, what's his name from <laughs> bachelor in paradise andrew alex <laughs> oh aaron, aaron. Who demands respect. Yeah, i'm about to turn into aaron okay <laughs> she deserves respect I'll, I'll send you a clip right now of her talking about uh her experiences like after but like come on guys yeah everyone still sleeps on viola davis like i feel like everyone acknowledges like oh she's a great actress but no one ever says like oh she's a meryl streep type like i don't I don't ever hear anyone talk about her on the same level as like a Meryl Streep. And I'm like, she deserves to be up there. Viola Davis is incredible and she's done everything. Yeah, honestly, most discussion I hear about Meryl Streep, at least among people I talk to, is people saying that she's overrated. Uh, I've barely seen her in anything. I'm sure she's great. Yeah. But I'm not going to watch most of those movies. No. Uh, And like, if you want to talk numbers, like they've done, I don't want to say like they've done similar things, but like, you can look at their performances and say that they're both pretty much at the same level. Viola Davis does everything. Like, I'll send you the clip after where she talks about it. But, like, she's right. She's done TV. She's done films. She's done Broadway. She's done off-Broadway. She, like, yeah, that's the clip I'm talking about. She's She does everything, and she gets shortchanged by a lot. So, that's, like, mm-hmm. I went on to a little spiel right now. Because there are some, like, women in film that I believe need to be respected more. Jamie Lee Curtis and Viola Davis are the major two that come to mind. (laughs) Both of them, I admire and I love them genuinely. I don't disagree with you, even though I haven't seen them in as much stuff as you probably have. Anyways, put put respect on Viola Davis. She got a new, she got a TV show with Netflix for uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I didn't really like the movie. Is she going to be in it? I think I've... I know that it's a prequel of some sort, but I think that okay. she is going to be in it in some capacity. I think she's executive producer on it, okay. so she is still involved with the project. I just don't know if she's going to be acting in it. I'm pretty sure that they are going to like go between time, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I, you mentioned that, I think, yesterday, and like I've literally heard nothing about this. Oh, because it just came out yesterday, but yeah. Yeah, that looks like it for 2021, other than Matrix Resurrections, which I'm looking forward to. Even though I've only seen the first Matrix, I've only seen it once. It just, the people I follow seem very excited about it. And I'm going to watch that trilogy in full for the first time leading up to it. And I'm, in terms of big movies for like big blockbusters for for the rest of the year, that's probably the one for me that I'm most looking forward to. Uh, Even though we don't have that many blockbusters left. We've got Spider-Man and we've got Eternals, I guess. I guess House of Gucci. No, I guess House of Gucci and Spider Man are the two that I'm excited for most. But Spider Man, I'm even less excited for because I'm sure you saw the article that I posted of just the fans being completely horrendous and the worst. And there's a reason why I'm just kind of over this movie, and it's a hundred percent the fan base. I'm like, you people. Yeah, this is this is where I know that you and I walk different circles because I literally see no discussion of this movie whatsoever. Oh my god, I see None at all. a lot of people harassing Sony for a trailer. When you were talking about the first trailer before it happened, I'm like, I've literally seen no one talk about this movie. No one asking for a trailer. No one caring on on like my Twitter timeline or anything that I've seen. I never saw any of that. No, all not not like all I see, but I do see a lot of people like just complaining why don't we have another trailer why don't we have another trailer and like mass downvoting sony videos because it's not a spider-man trailer like you remember this like 
A, the Snyder Cut, but B, Lucifer. I don't think you ever watched Lucifer. I've never seen Lucifer. But Lucifer fans were really intense about a trailer for the last season. Anything Netflix posted, it would get downvoted. And everyone in the comments would be like, all right, cool, but where's the Lucifer trailer? We want a Lucifer trailer. We don't want any of this. Give us a Lucifer trailer. What is this crap? We want a Lucifer trailer. Where's the Lucifer trailer? Come on, Netflix, give us a Lucifer trailer. I'm like, shut up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's where I'm at with Spider-Man fans right now. I'm like, shut up, all of you. None of you guys deserve another trailer. None of you guys deserve Spider deserve Andrew and Toby in this film. I hope they aren't in this film so that your dreams are crushed and your expectations for this movie are completely disastrous because you did this to yourself. I, I'm I'm sick and tired of this. Go off, King. It, it's just, it's terrible. It's horrendous. I'm like, why can't you just wait for the movie and just see what happens? Maybe leaks are real. Maybe they're not. Remember what happened when you guys were all excited for WandaVision and you guys had all these theories and literally 98% of them weren't true and you guys started harassing Marvel for saying like, oh my God, you guys teased us. Oh my God, you guys let us on it. It's like, they're called red herrings. They're meant to keep you engaged in the story. Like, oh my God. Ugh. And then specifically with Spider-Man, just everyone, the entire conversation has only been about Peter, not Peter, Toby and Andrew coming back because the villains are coming back. And is Andrew Garfield going to be in it? Is that a deep fake of Andrew Garfield? Is Toby Maguire getting ripped for this movie or his second one? I'm like, I don't care. How about I just watch the movie and see what the creators wanted for the movie to be and not what I want it to be? Why, why doesn't everyone just accept that they are going to be in the movie and then just in, like just go see how they incorporate them in? Because That's what now, I'm doing. Because, I know they're now, in the movie. Because now they're, like, cause now they're like, we know they're in the movie, so just show them already. I'm like, or not. Like, wait for that to be. You don't have to show them. No, everyone wants them to show them in the trailer. Like, if Sony doesn't show Andrew and Toby in the next trailer, then the, then the trailer's going to be garbage and it's going to be downvoted to hell. And I'm like, you people are just the worst. You people are, are the worst. I'm sick and tired of this. It's the same thing that happened with Star Wars. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm tired of it. I like the movies for what they are. I don't want to sit here defending comic book movies all day, but my God, that's just... Those fans, it's just such a shitty way to consume art. I can't stand it. My man said art. No, but but I understand, I understand what you mean. It is, you know, an art form and it's an art medium and all that stuff. So I'm with you 100%. And that's like one of the, oh my God. And that's like the other thing. There's a lot of like takes that I've seen this last like two weeks of people being like, I could never see a movie in the theater again and I'd be fine. Why do we even, why do we even release movies in the theater? Why can't they just be like VOD at home at the same day? I'm like, guys, there's so much more to this. Like there's so many things <laughs> that like being a film fan and like, I've, I feel like we're two different ways because I feel like you enjoy film film for like the storytelling and the making of aspects and all that stuff and i like film because of the experiences that i've had with it like like going to theaters or seeing it with friends and all this other stuff and not saying that that's like not you but like we come at it from different angles is that fair to say yeah i mean i approach stuff like just approach it period from a critical perspective like i'm going to a movie to see the movie more than anything it's not like most movies i see by myself now just because I have free time on a Friday afternoon. My priority when I'm watching a movie is to watch the movie. I don't care about the other factors. So I guess, long answer, yes, that's fair to say. Yeah, 
Or it's like, and like, I'll do the same thing. Like I go to a movie to go see a movie and stuff. But like, if I'm there with friends, it's going to heighten my experience. If I enjoy the movie, it's going to heighten my experience. If like, like we were talking with Teen Wolf. I know Teen Wolf isn't the best show in the world, but I love the experience and the stories that I've had with it. So of course I'm going to enjoy it more. And like, you know, we can have this debate about superhero movies all night long. I don't think they're the death of cinema. Like, I think they're perfectly fine. They're Westerns, but for the modern day, you know, they're going to be whatever. Um, but, like, all these fans just really make me hate liking these movies. Because I'm like, you're making me look bad. And I really hate that. Because there can be plenty of, like, enjoying a movie for what it is. I'll enjoy Avengers 1 for what it is. It's campy. It's overlit. It looks like a TV show. It looks cheap. But it's fun. It still looks better than any than than most of the movies that have come out since it in that same yeah. universe. And I'm just like, guys, can't we... it looks less fake? Yeah, I'm like, guys, can't we just enjoy things? Like, can't we just wait for a movie to come out no. and enjoy them? And hype culture has ruined a lot of like I don't say like a lot of film experiences for me, but like it's just really lessened my excitement for so many things. The last thing that I can remember being really hyped for was Cyberpunk. <laughs> Like, Cyberpunk, I bought completely into the hype. And since then, I have just lost all hope for hype in general. So, Spider-Man trailer, everyone, you know, demanding a Spider-Man trailer, I'm like, I hope they don't give it to you. They don't need to. They can go right until the day, December, what is it, like, 23rd, 21st, 19th? 17th. Something like that, yeah. They could go right up to that date, never release another trailer, and still make a billion dollars. But, it's the way the the business works and consumers want another trailer, and they'll probably get another trailer. But I don't think that they should. I don't. I, I, I'm really. I'm being really petty right now. I don't think they don't. I don't think they deserve a second trailer. I think you live with what you have, and you go see the movie for what it is, and you place all your bets on it being a good movie. The the silliest thing to me is that the people clamoring for another trailer are the people that a trailer is least for. That's that's the funniest thing to me. They're the people who are already going to pay and see the movie. They're the, they don't have to be sold on the movie at all. They just want more shit to look at and talk about before they even see the movie. And that's that's a perspective I will never understand. Yeah. Like, if I'm sold on something, yeah. why do I need to see more and more of it? Like, I don't want to. I didn't want to see all those, like, the five different trailers that came out for No Time to Die at various points in its life in the two years that it was tr- that they were trying to release that movie. I saw five different trailers. I saw stuff in every single location that happened in that movie, just going to theaters and seeing the trailers. Like, I saw most of the stuff that happened in that movie at various points, and that kind of, like, I didn't seek any of that out. I still saw it, and it bugged me. So I can't imagine seeking that stuff out for stuff that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and, like, even with this Spider-Man trailer, I'm like, all right, cool, so we know Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 of the film. And not that, like, it was hard to guess, but, I mean, like, I knew everything that was going to happen already. Like, I know generally what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure I could guess a lot of the major beats of the film and I'd be correct. And I'm just like, I don't need to see another trailer and no one else needs to see another trailer. You guys already know you're going to go see it and stop acting like, well, I don't really know. Cause I don't know if like Toby and Andrew, and if they aren't in it, then I'm not going to go see it. I'm like, shut up. You're going to go see it. You're going to go contribute to the monopoly. That is Disney. And I have this really funny tweet where I said, Disney is a monopoly and should be stopped at all costs. And then I said, me the next morning. All right, boys. So what time are we watching Cars 2 and High School Musical, the musical, the series on Disney Plus? <laughs> that's how you are. Yeah. No, it's 100% how I am. I, I know that's how I am. <laughs> I am I am self-aware enough to understand that I am an, not like an enigma, but I'm a paradox. 
I'm a paradox of a person. I speak. I speak yeah, I still against don't get you. all these other. I still can't believe you liked Blade Runner. That I liked Blade Runner. I figured you'd watch that and say it was pretentious and snobby, and you were like, "No, that was great." No, that's what everyone said about Dune. I said that I like Dune, and then everyone was like, "Oh, but it was like really boring," and it was like blah blah blah. And I'm like, I liked it. I liked the atmosphere. Oh, I feel like I don't say like recently. I've really liked atmosphere a lot, but like. If I enjoy an atmosphere and I like just living in an area, I'm perfectly fine with just living in an area. Some movies get by on just vibes. Yeah. I think Dune was one of them where I just like, I like the vibe. I like the vibe. I like I like the music. I like that woman screaming like it's the Snyder Cut, just screaming in the background every four <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, if we want to talk about Dune briefly before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about anything else. I've already forgotten most of Dune. I thought Dune was extremely okay. And I, like, that wasn't something that hype killed for me or anything. Uh, Denis Villeneuve is on the, uh, above Edgar Wright to me, but he's sort of on that level that I'm not going to be automatically hyped for everything he makes, even with that cast. And, like, I, I honestly think me having seen the David Lynch Dune before and actually knowing where that story goes, even past where this movie goes into the next one, like, knowing all that already just made me, I think made me approach this in, I guess, the wrong way, because... I was waiting to see how they executed everything rather than just being being taken on a journey with it. But I don't think it was particularly engaging even even besides that. So I guess that's my issue. And that's completely understandable. I had this conversation with a friend today where they're saying like, oh, yeah, I saw Dune. You know, I was really with it for the first 40 minutes or so. And then I got like really bored. I'm like, that's fair for me after spoilers. We're going to do spoilers for Dune real quickly. OK, spoilers. Uh, after they kill uh, Oscar Isaac, I feel like the movie just grinds to a halt pretty much, and then it's just sort of like lagging. Yeah, it feels it feels like I, it feels like a slog to get to the end of part one, like the end of part one of the book. Like this is where we need to end the film. But yeah, that's what I've said. I've said like after Oscar Isaac dies, it's not that I lose interest in it, but I just get kind of bored throughout the rest of it. I'm like, all right, we're hanging out with Paul. I'm like, I don't really like Timothy Chalamet or Paul in general. I don't either. But I am interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I know where, like, I think, I, I don't know how much part two covers, if it covers, like... It covers the end of the first book. Yeah, so it'll go to where the the original movie probably ended up yeah. at. And if it does that, then in terms of action and visuals, there's some more interesting stuff to come. Yes. Um, but I think it's going to, like, it's going to double down on the stuff that I don't like about dune already i guess in 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 the same breath like the fact that this is just a like a basic hero's journey and it's like and it's cutting over all the actual character development happening and it's just doing the events that lead to the hero making the uh, reaching the point in their journey that they need to and nothing else like it felt like again i guess more spoilers it felt like he sort of became that character with the snap of a finger like at, at first he was scared and he was sheepish and all that and then all of a sudden he was just in control of the rest of the movie and there was no tension at that point whatsoever because that shift had happened and that's just who he was now and that bugged the hell out of me understandable i i i don't you know remember it completely but i'm pretty sure like after he sees you know like oh my dad's dead he sort of feels like the responsibility that you know he, he of that conversation that he had with his dad earlier in the film and then with his mom saying, like, oh, well, you know, 
here's what happened, here's what me and the witches were told, here's what you are potentially, here's what the people might see you as. I feel like he's kind of putting on a brave face for it. Not like a, he's not putting on a brave face, but he's putting on a character now to be that person. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I didn't read it that way just because like after that point, which I get him putting on a brave face or him just trying to accept that he has to take more responsibility now. But I feel like what happens is he can use the voice all of a sudden, like he, he can just do it now. I know he'd worked on it a little bit, but it's just something he can do now. He can do everything he read in his books like he's just on top of things the rest of the movie. And I feel like that's not the best play position for your protagonist to be in if you want the story to be engaging, because I never feel like he's in peril the rest of the movie. I'm not going to expect him to be in the next one either. Regarding the voice specifically, like I still think like, I don't know, maybe it's just because, like, his mom is like, oh, you still have this sore. But I still think that, like, he's still not 100% yet. And, like, to quote Shaggy, he's not even at, like, 3% of his power yet. Like, he still has a lot to go. And that's just, like, how I read it. Because I'm just like, no, he still doesn't have control over a lot of these things. It might look like he does, but I don't think that he does. And maybe I just read it differently. But I read it as he's trying, like, he's... Not like trying harder now, but now he's trying to put more focus into it because of the prophecy and stuff of saying like, oh, you're going to be this and that. So now he's trying to be that person because at the beginning of the film, he sort of like brushes it off a little bit until more and more people start saying like, oh, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. And they're like, fine, not like fine, but he's like, all right, if this is what I'm going to be, then I have to be this. And so that's how I read it. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah. And honestly, I I wish we could have recorded this conversation the day I saw the movie because a lot of it, it's been a little over a week and a lot of it's already faded from my memory. And I've, I do feel like bad about that, I guess, to an extent. No, but no, no, it's it perfectly wasn't fine. memorable for me. No, I mean, it's another, it's another movie. Yeah, it's like it wasn't even like a sequence that I could like pull from that movie and be like, I want to watch that again if I ever watch this movie again. I know exactly what I want to see again. I want to see them leaving that first planet. That score picking up with everyone preparing to get off of that planet and go to uh, Arrakis. I actually really love that sequence. And it's early on in the film. It's like maybe the first 20 minutes and then they head over to Arrakis. I don't know. Mm. But yeah. See, I could just open Spotify. Oh, no, yeah. I've been listening to that part. (laughs) I've been listening to that score on repeat. I just, I like waking up to that lady screaming. That's my alarm noise. It's just going, <laughs> yeah, but I will say, I'm glad that most people I follow seem to really enjoy it. I'm glad we're getting a second one because it's going to make people happy. I'm glad that this movie that costs half as much as some of the movies that other companies are making now looks like a real movie. It looks good. Like the locations look believable. I wish I wish it uh, the color palette wasn't so drab. That's a problem I have with a lot of current movies. Um, I think that's just Dune I'm glad in general. A movie that I, I think that's just a Dune problem, man. I don't know if there's anything the film could have done. I think that's just Dune. Yeah, even so, like regardless of all that, I'm glad people are happy with it. I'm glad people are going to get another one to make them happy. I'm glad a movie that looks like a movie is doing well. Um, yeah, there's like I'm overall happy about the whole deal. I wish I could be more excited about it like other people are, but I'm glad it's doing well. I didn't expect it to do this well, at least. Yeah, it did really well. It did really well that first weekend. I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, you know, it still isn't even really doing that well because, you know, it's its second week and it's only at this and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, people like it. They already greenlit a sequel. Clearly the 
the studio sees enough to back a sequel for it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Because there's been plenty of times where a movie where a movie does really well. Well, no, a movie is really well received, Edge of Tomorrow, and then a sequel is never made for it because the studio is like, well, the financials weren't there. And to see that the movie did enough financially for them to be like, okay, yeah. we'll give you a sequel. I'm glad. Especially because it just kind of yeah. sucks that him being a good director, even like the issue is that he's a good director, but his films don't make money. <laughs> so yeah. it's the issue of like, it's honestly after Blade Runner, it's amazing that it's amazing that he got handed this. Uh, I've yeah yeah I've, yeah I've yeah <laughs> like like creatively, I understand why he was given it. Financially, it's like okay, you know, we we've seen his films not do well. They gave him two hundred million for Blade Runner, and it performed like that. Yeah, it performed very yeah. poorly. So giving him another hundred and sixty-five million was uh was a choice and it seems like it's paying off I'm glad even it's even in off. pandemic times yeah yeah I, i'm surprised that he got another big a big movie directly after blade runner after that flop so hard especially by the same studio yeah i'm just like i just i had this conversation with some people and i'm like all right so where do we i don't say like where do we draw the line but like where do we accept someone making a good film but doesn't make money and prioritizing a good film over the financials and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a conversation that I've had of art versus money, even though I'm not even like really pretentious about that, but it is like stuff that I do think about. I'm like, well, this was a good film. Yeah. Didn't make a lot of money, but they should get another one. But yeah, it's the sunset overdrive conundrum that I have. I think you get stuff like that with like mid budget movies and directors like Wes Anderson, whose movies, I think grand Budapest hotel did well, but his movies don't usually make money, but I don't know if it's the prestige factor attached to them or the fact that they're not ungodly expensive to make, but he usually doesn't have a problem getting his movies funded. At least it doesn't seem that way. Someone like that, like your your mid to low budget movies, they'll they'll take it's not and they're not even taking huge risks on them at that point. But movies like that still get made sometimes. Yeah, it's just, you know, some things to think about before we leave you all. Uh, there is there was. We, we went all over the place. We did. I'm going to end. I'm going to end with one topic. Uh, it's just really quickly. Uh, stuff that I'm looking forward to this week. Dickinson returns and there's a League of Legends show starring Haley Steinfeld that comes out this week. I'm 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 going to have a great weekend. And then, you know, towards the end of November, we get Hawkeye. So I'm excited for TV. That'll be all for, you, buddy. I'm excited for the last half of the year for TV. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be watching anything. I guess I I, uh, I should watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, you should probably catch but up on Ted we'll Lasso. We'll see if that happens. Because I know you're not going to watch Hawkeye. So I'll, I have some guests lined up for that to talk about with Spider-Man and Hawkeye and a couple other stuff that we'll end up talking about. Uh, just some um, heads up for the rest of the year, pretty much. Um, I believe what's going to happen is that we'll have this episode up after Bond Part 2 at some point. Um, I mean, it'll already be out, so you'll hear it. Um, then after that, I'm doing a Taylor Swift episode with our friend Kat. You guys know and love Kat. And also with uh, two more of my friends, Steph and Amy. I know them from another Discord um, that we're all in. They're all big Taylor Swift heads, so they're going to be talking uh, with me about the album that's going to come out. I'm going to also talk a little bit about the Silk Sonic album because that's coming out the same day. 
and I don't know if the Adele album is coming out the same day as well, but if it is, I'll also touch on Adele. Um, but we'll talk about that, so that'll be out after that. Then we're planning to do a Halo episode for Halo Infinite um, with our friend Ramon. We're trying to get some schedules uh, cleared out for that, so uh, tentatively we're going to have Ramon to talk about Halo. And then at the end of the year, two final episodes pretty much. One will be uh, Spider-Man focused, Spider-Man Hawkeye focused essentially, and the last one will be sort of our favorite films of the year. Uh, what we liked from this year in general, media-wise, could be games, could be movies, TV shows, uh, but that's going to be pretty much the last show for the year. Am I missing anything, Nick? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah that last episode is going to be just a year in review. I'll probably have like a top 10 list for myself. I um, probably won't. I'll go over stuff and yeah <laughs> we talked about that already yeah um i'll go over stuff in other media that i enjoy probably we'll probably look ahead to movies and stuff coming out in 2022 uh because there's a lot coming out next year i want to get my ducks in a row as far as next year is concerned because i know some stuff coming out but there's a lot that i'm not sure when it comes out so i kind of want to see what's what's on the horizon march is a big month for gaming <laughs> that's all i know i know that mm -hmm. everything comes out in march um but yeah so that's what we're hoping to do for the rest of the year we just wanted to let you guys know what ahead of advance ahead in advance what we're uh what we're thinking about for the <laughs> last uh two months of the year yeah we kind of have a plan for the first time ever it's weird kind of yeah and we also yes do you want to talk about an idea that we have that we might be doing soon does it have something to do with recording commentary tracks it could it, it could be it might just be that Ooh, who knows Maybe Nick and Manny start recording commentary tracks and uploading them for your favorite films. Maybe we do. Maybe I go through every MCU movie again and see how I feel about them with my current eyes. Maybe you'll like Iron Man 2 better. Maybe. I've won my boot. Hey, that one I actually like. I like okay. Iron Man 2 as well. I actually like <laughs> Iron Man 2. I can't wait for that one. That one's good. Listen, I love Justin Hammer as a character. I love Sam Rockwell uh -huh. in that film. Fantastic. I want more of him. If yeah. the rumors of him being in Armor Wars are true, thank you. Thank you. I need him dancing on the stage <laughs> at least one more time before he leaves the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe there will be some commentary tracks coming your way. But that's going to be it for this week. Uh, you can follow me over at StarWarsNerd9 on Twitter. Manual Funthis, I believe all one word over on Letterboxd. You should go subscribe to our YouTube, which we keep forgetting to mention that we have a YouTube. Uh, Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast over on YouTube. Listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music. Listen to all of those. Rate us, like, subscribe. That helps out a lot. Nick, let them know where they can find you. Uh, he meant Apple Podcasts, not Apple Music. I think if you listen to podcasts, you probably know the difference, but just in case. Um, anyway, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Reeves underscore 117. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like he said. Um, I don't think I have anything else to plug. I think that's all I do. Uh, yeah, we're all good, I think. Yeah, and buy Xbox Game Pass. Phil, hire us, please. <laughs> Phil, hit us up, bro. Phil, this is up, like Phil. the fourth time that we've said your name this podcast. Hire us for Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> we will we will market the hell out of that for you. We promise. We're, we're salesmen here. We're desperate. We're desperate, Phil. Uh, but yeah, Xbox Game Pass. And that's where we're going to leave it off. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Bye.